bringing you all of the local motocross racing from North Carolina, Virginia, and the surrounding states. The Imperative MX Podcast. Here's another episode. And we're back and ready to rip here on the Imperative MX Podcast, episode number 17. And man, we're glad to be back for another week and another episode. We are bringing you all of the local motocross action from North Carolina, Virginia, and the surrounding states. Thank you so much for joining us this week on yet another episode. I am your host, Zach Newberry, and we would like to thank everyone who has been enjoying these first couple of episodes already. And the great positive feedback from these, from you guys, the listeners, has been phenomenal. If you have not yet checked out any of the past episodes, do yourselves a favor and check them out after this one which are now available everywhere. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, YouTube, Pandora, Listen Notes, and many more to choose from to listen to past episodes with awesome guests. It is fantastic to see the local community and even outside of the local community support in the sport of motocross. And we are a part of an awesome sport. And I want to thank you guys, the listeners, for tuning into this week's episode here on the Imperative MX podcast for another episode. We have a lot to talk about when it comes professional to local and everything in between. With that, there are a good amount of talking points to chat about in this episode. First, we will get into some local motocross racing action from North Carolina, Virginia, and the surrounding states with district races uh, happening this weekend, uh, area qualifiers coming up, um, South of the Borders area qualifier was a couple weeks ago. There is so much amateur stuff that is going on right now. And uh, we're going to keep that same local energy talk. And we will have a call in from NCMX's own Mike Farr about the 2023 North Carolina Motocross Association season, changes within the series for this year, and more from Mike here in just a bit. And we were actually going to have Preston Beigeflug here on the podcast, but he is currently down at Freestone MX. And uh, last week, uh, we had the week uh, the week off, and um, we were going to have him, and then we had some complications. So we weren't able to get out the podcast last week, and we are uh, sorry about that. But we'll make it up to you this time uh, here on this episode. But, yeah, good luck to Preston down at Freestone MX and everybody that is uh, racing down there this weekend. And finally, we will break down all of the racing action from the weekend's Triple Crown format race that we la- that we missed last weekend and also round number eight at Daytona. And also cannot forget about the RCSX uh, that happened in Daytona as well. And we're going to get into all of that. Uh, so just hold your pants here. We're, this is a jam-packed episode, and we are super excited. So make sure to check us out by searching Imperative MX on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, and uh, we are also on Twitter now as well, at Imperative underscore MX. So make sure to go and check us out anywhere on any social media platforms. And thank you guys, like I said, for supporting us on all of these social media platforms as we continue to grow on each one. And uh, I'm not, uh, you know, the YouTube is getting very, very close to that thousand mark. And it is honestly unbelievable to see and the growth is uh, is great. So we have to say thank you to you guys and also the sponsors that are on board here on the Imperative MX podcast. West Virginia Motorsports, FXR, Silver Valley MX Park, Hydropower, Dirt Industries Custom Graphics, and Mika Metals. Don't forget to check out Imperative MX when you get the chance. A ton of new things are in the works and already live. 
all the sponsor logos are at the top right or at the top of the banner so make sure you click on those logos and it will bring you directly to the company's website purchase those products directly from the link on the website quick and easy for you guys we'll be doing updates reads galleries and so much more and there's already uh, a lot that I've been doing I've been doing a lot of typing here recently and uh, and I love that aspect so make sure to go and check out everything on imperativemx.com and we actually have some uh, in uh, GNCC news uh, and reads coming out soon so make sure you guys are on the lookout for that if you're interested and uh, we will get more into each of the awesome companies behind us here in just a bit and make sure to support the ones the ones that support the sport like these companies helping us out with this podcast to bring you these weekly episodes and man helping me break down all of the racing action from this weekend last weekend coming up it's the highly likable, knowledgeable, your District 29, 2011 C-Class champion, Heavy D. What is going on, Heavy? Oh, dude, you know, excited to get into another episode. Can't wait. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. There has been there's been a lot of local uh, racing that has been happening, Heavy D, and, and the uh, all-time high of dirt bike vibes is right now in 2023. Oh, dude, it's 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 in full force right now. It's crazy, man. It's it's honestly it's it, it, it's it's like a light at the end of the tunnel for motocross right now, man. It's so awesome. Yeah, man, for sure. And uh, before we get into the first local motocross racing and schedules, we have to say thank you to West Virginia Motorsports. If you are looking for your next ride, look no further than my friends over at West Virginia Motorsports. If you are around the surrounding area or even farther and looking for a brand new or pre-owned motorcycle, dirt bike, ATV, UTV, whatever you need, make sure to stop by West, uh, West Virginia Motorsports in Princeton, West Virginia, or their other locations. Don't forget to order your parts for your current bike through West Virginia Motorsports or alongside walking out the door with that brand new ride. Find your key to fun at West Virginia Motorsports, and don't forget to get those oil filters and air filters uh, on the way out and... Heavy D, don't catch them on fire. Nah, yeah, you don't, don't you don't want to do that, man. It's, that one's one I'm never going to live down. It sticks with me to this very day, and I don't even ride anymore. I'm still cautious. Yeah, make sure to <laughs> not do that. Uh, I don't even remember what episode that was on, Heavy D. That was a good one. It was one of the early ones, and it stuck with you the entire time, and it's probably going to stick with you the entire time here on, on the podcast. But uh, Oh, dude. A hundred percent. You live and you learn. You know that's uh, that's life, man. And uh, man, speaking of uh, learning, uh, you got local motocross racing uh, that happened this weekend, District Thirteen, and the Capital Cup uh, first races this weekend at Birch Creek. Well, actually, it was the second round of the Capital Cup, and it was the first round of District Thirteen this weekend uh, in beautiful Sutherland, uh, Virginia, at Birch Creek uh, Motorsports Park. And uh, yeah, good to get uh, some of these series. Uh, start to get underway, Heavy D and uh, Birch Creek. Uh, I did not go, unfortunately. My bike is uh, getting the suspension done and getting ready for this weekend, and we'll get into that here in just a minute. But, uh, yeah, it's good that the local scene, and there was a lot of kids from what I've seen, Heavy D, a lot of pictures and, and a lot of things that I heard uh, from people saying that it was a good track all the way around and uh, everything went well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've seen a, a lot. It was a good amount of people who went, and – you know, Birch Creek is always awesome. I, I love Birch Creek. That was the first place I have. That was the first place I got my first ever trophy. 
Yep. And dude, I was so stoked, man. Like as soon as I come off the track, I went down there and I waited for thirty minutes, like at side up just to get my trophy too. <laughs> really? <laughs> Last motor, yes. Dude. I was that stoked. Like I could not wait. Like it was my first I mean, I've gotten trophies before, like and sports and stuff, but yeah. it was it's one of those things like I think the reason I was so stoked for that because it wasn't like a participation trophy. Right. Like, you know, and, and basketball, football, like, you know, everybody gets a trophy no matter what, yep. which, I mean, that is what it is. But, like, you know, in moto, it's they only – you only get in, like, a select few positions. And it was like I had to get, like, I think it was – I want to say sixth or seventh because mm-hmm. it was – you know, it's based off how many people's in your class. Right, right, right. And, and dude, I, I got it. I mean, it was D class, but it was like so many kids in D class. Yeah, I never forget it. I was stoked, dude. I remember everything I was wearing, like Just on the old tech. Oh, dude, it was it was so sick. When I got when they handed me that thing, dude, I rode back with the biggest smile on my face. I was like, I'm so satisfied. And, from there on, it just made me hungry. So, I mean, Birch Creek definitely holds, like, the special place in my heart. Yeah, and Birch Creek definitely holds a very special place in my heart because I've been going there for, uh, you know, years, uh, 20 years, plus 20 years, and uh, have had a lot of good memories. I had one of my uh, worst, I would say, mini bike crashes there, uh, came and swapped uh, down one of the hills when it went actually backwards than what it is right now. Um, anyways, and uh, – yeah, I've had a lot of good memories, bad memories. Man, they used to have the four-stroke nationals back in the day, and Larry Ward and um, these guys would show up, and uh, they used to have the monster trucks, uh, like actual Monster Energy. Like they used to have the official trucks that would come out to events and stuff. I can't, I can't remember off the top of my head. I'd have to look at the trophies, but man, in the battles that we've seen, I mean, you know, there was the infamous uh, Ian Treadle cheater line uh, going down the back straightaway where he would go all the way left and hug the creek to get out of all of the lines. Like, I, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm not kidding you. Like, he would be so close. And, you know, th- the creek is right there. You know? Oh, dude, it's literally right there. Oh, my God. Ian would go all the way left, and he would just hug it. Like, and he would just be straight the entire time wide open on his uh, Suzuki 85. But, man, those were those were the times we saw the infamous Zach Osborne and uh, Austin Stroop uh, battle. Uh, there for a qualifier, and uh, I think Stroop's, uh, it, it was either Stroop's or Osborne's bike that went out on the last lap. Uh, that was a insane battle. I can't remember what year that was, but uh, yeah, no, there's been a lot of things, and obviously Birch Creek has a new owner, and um, Ryan Smith is helping out a lot there, and also doing Lake Sugar Tree as well. Oh. And so yeah, no, it's a good, it's a good, uh, good property, and what they're doing is good, Heavy D. Oh yeah, dude, I, I remember back. God, it was like. I think it was my last year, right? It was 2011 that year. I won a championship. Um, you know, you come off the start, you make the left, and you make another left. You know, you go down the hill, and it used to, like, you go down the hill, and it was like a hole, and it was a single, and you made the right. Yeah. Dude, Jacob Hayes come around, and he jumped. He used to jump down into that hole. No. Uh, oh, I remember that. Uh, Burkeen did it not, not, not too long ago. Oh, did he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are dude. you talking about after after you come down? Um, I, dude, I've been there so many. Uh, Deacon, I think that's what it is. Mount Deacon. Oh no, 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 what not that. that. Not before. Deacon. What am I thinking? You you're thinking after the tunnel. I'm not talking after the tunnel. Before the tunnel, you know when? Okay, you come off the start, you make a left, 
and you make another left and you go down the hill, the very first hill after the start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It, it was that oh, pocket. Oh, I know what that, you're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I did it. He used to. I did it. Oh, did you do that? <laughs> yeah. That was the sketchiest shit on the map. Oh, I mean, I ain't no. I mean, there was no way I would. I mean, I barely made the corner. I never did it in a race, but in, in practice for sure. But no, I remember. Um, Futrell and them used to damn near do it. I mean, they were they were landing right on that second, and it used to actually have a drop, um, like an actual deep pocket back in the day. Yes. Now yeah. it now it doesn't. Um, not as gnarly and not as bad, but it was still crazy. Is that what, the, uh, dude? The um, the tabletop tunnel drop. What is it called? Heavy D. Is it is it Deacon? Yeah, Deacon Hill. Yeah, but it uh, Mount Deacon or. I think it's something Deacon. I thought it was Deacon Hill. I'm going to get so much crap because I've been there so many years if it's not called that because I, I just am completely brain farting on it. But anyways, uh, iconic track, uh, District 13, Alex Dawson. I meant to ask him how, how the weekend went, but I'm sure that he was busy. Uh, actually, maybe after this podcast, I, I will, and next week we'll get into it. But um, no, uh, really, really good for those guys, uh, and great turnout from what I heard in the in both series, both the District 13 and Capital Cup. So, uh, and then Heavy D, we're going back to Birch Creek this weekend. Um, oh, dude, I'm, it's the it's area so qualifier time. It's 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 so much going on, dude. I can't wait. Like, man, like it's there, and we'll get into more. But I know Caddy's Carolina Outlaw Series first race of the series is back up. Yep, man. I wish I could go to Birch Creek though, for sure. Like, I God, I know it's gonna be so sick, bro. I know. God, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna, so I'm gonna need you to hype me up before this 30 plus gate drop. Dude, you know what? We need to make. I, I, I'm making plans for Loretta. You, you make it. We're going full force. Well, I mean, it really, okay? honestly, Heavy D. Even if I make it or I don't make it, I'm still gonna go to Loretta's anyways for obviously imperative. Um, but I do. Well, it, it is a, it is a goal. Uh, to to make it back to Loretta's because I feel like when I was in my younger years I should have trained way harder than I should have and should have not taken shortcuts and stuff like that like sure I was fast but I I had no intentions of doing you know <laughs> thirty minute here, motos. I mean, I think it's different strokes for different folks, dude. Honestly, I do. I just like, did it for fun, man. Like like I I, mean, I just loved being there, and that's why I'm doing this today. And I I really honestly wish I would have done the Imperative MX podcast way sooner, um, than than what we're doing, or just start up Imperative MX, uh, to begin with, because I missed out, I think, on so much, um, in the years that I was just well, I was I think I was bitter to be completely honest because I didn't make it to that, but I shouldn't be ashamed because I honestly didn't try uh, as hard as I could, and I do know that. So, um, but yes, it is different strokes for different folks, exactly like you said. And and it, for me, it was it was the fun aspect. It wasn't like I was bummed that I didn't that I didn't make it. I could still go and get on my dirt bike and go and ride and put in one fast lap. And for me, that's fine. I might be, you know, uh, six in A class or or thirty plus or whatever the case may be. I don't care, man. I'm just out there. I'm I'm having fun, and that's what it's all about. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I think honestly at the time, like even. I know it's a lot of guys out there. Like you, you know, it's in moto. It's that stickler. You got to train hard. You got to do do this. You got to do that. Man, I've seen like so many guys who do it different. It's just all about what works for you. Yep. And I mean, honestly, I don't even. This is just me. Like watching you ride back in the day, you were like stupid fast. 
I personally don't think if you trained it, it made a difference. I think it was just more the mindset. Like, you went to have fun. If you'd had your mindset, like, all right, I'm about to go wax these dudes, it'd probably been different. That I mean, that's just my opinion. That's yeah. just, I mean. Yeah, I'll let you keep that one to yourself. <laughs> uh, I, I know like like me i just know that i could have tried i could have tried way harder man to be completely honest and and um and when i really tried that 2016 year going into because 2013 was my best year arena cross i uh, did some outdoors whatever then uh in january of 14 was when i had that knee injury acl meniscus uh everything so i had to get so i was out for technically like eight months pretty much mm-hmm. and that kind of brought it down but in 2015 like i didn't ride hardly at all until october and i was like really yeah i didn't ride it i didn't ride at all i rode a little bit in 14 but i was like man i gotta get my i gotta get my knee stronger so honestly i didn't even really even try in 2015 until october was when i actually put my head down and was, was like all right you know what if you want to do this you could do this so i went to the first arena cross um and um didn't make i think friday night uh but saturday night i made it in the lights class and then well it didn't really matter everybody was on 250s at that point but um the lower class and then in baltimore if i would have put down that lap heavy d I've timed it. I've gone back and watched it um, when I crashed into whoops in Baltimore. If I would have mm-hmm. put that lap in, I would have been top ten in the in the pro um, division there, like oh, in, nice. in, t- in time qualifying, one hundred percent. Right. So I think that was a moment that was make or break. But I'm not dwelling on that moment because I because it doesn't matter. I love the sport regardless of of the fact, and I'm still gonna be in it because of what I witnessed and what, and what I went through. And we actually talked the other day. That's what I want to do. I put up a post on my personal um, Facebook that I wanted people to drop down their local racing memories and stuff from back in the day. Uh, because Oh, dude, that blew up. Yeah. like, I, And that's what – because people that's what people love. People love the local racing and, and reminiscing on that. But we can still make that happen today, and that's what I want to, you know, obviously – do um and that's you know i took those years off when i shouldn't have but i think it gave me um the i guess maybe the time or maybe the time wasn't right you know then you know god works in mysterious ways right so it just you know the way that it yeah, is so no nah, you make a valid point dude like i mean honor i look back and I always say I, I like i shouldn't have stopped riding i wish i wouldn't have but then again it's like i'm glad i did because it's like I don't think I would be doing the stuff I'm doing now if I would have kept riding. Yeah. Like I just, I just feel like, like I stopped riding because I didn't feel like it was my place anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, and now it's like, I, I gained a lot of knowledge from riding. And I gained a lot of knowledge from being around pros and seeing how they do stuff. So, like, I feel like it helps me when I like look at tracks or like help help another kid or something like that i just feel like i'm I, for me it's a better place now you know what i mean Absolutely. like and, and for you it's like i mean you know you you probably wish you didn't but it's like now it's like okay you look back on stuff and you learned a lot and i think it probably helps you now you know yeah i didn't mean to go into a full conversation about zach newberry's career and his past but Maybe you know. Maybe you guys but can learn. Good, can learn something. Yeah. No. It, it, you know, maybe you good. can take it. Take it. 
in that way. And maybe parents can too. Maybe, you know, like, you know, I don't want to get into the topic too much because there there are those parents that are so harsh on a kid and they may not even really even want to ride, you know, or oh, maybe yeah. they don't have that, you know, and you're, you, you know, unfortunately you're forking out all of this money when maybe you just need to simply ask your kid, you know, is this really what you want to do? Um, and if you don't, then cool, we'll go racing on the weekends and we'll still have fun. It's a learning experience. And this is what that, um, you know, wrapping it back around to local racing. That's what I want to do in, in the article, in the story that I'm going to write uh, up on Imperative MX and it will be out soon and, you know, it will be posted whenever it is, but is to recognize that this sport brings so much to the plate to each individual's lives, especially at a young age, like, the things that I learned at a young age, if I did ball sports, I guarantee you I would have never learned any of that. Oh, 100%. Or, or just any sport in general. Like maybe maybe dude. like motorsports, like go-karting and stuff, maybe just with the competitiveness and, you know, everything else. But I feel like moto is different than any other sport in the world. And I worked in the motorsport industry with, you know, with AIM, uh, AIM Sports, who does the uh, data loggers and some tracking for – uh, Geico Honda back in the day, and they actually help out uh, Honda HRC now. I think they still do. Um, don't quote me on that, but I know that they're in the industry. Uh, I saw that um, – I think it might have been Kenny's team that was using it. But one of the teams, regardless of the fact, was using AIM. And, yeah, I've been around uh, different sports and seen different uh, people's approach to racing and, you know – friendships and rivalries and all of this stuff and it seems like moto is is the one place that you will learn literally anything and everything there is to life in my opinion oh i agree 100 percent. you know i i played basketball football for years i played i played basketball football from the third grade all the way up to the eighth grade and you know don't get me wrong i, I learned a lot you know but one thing i learned from moto is like i mean at the end of the day i mean you got to learn, you know, to trust yourself and only really count on yourself at times. Not saying you can't really count on anybody else, but it definitely teaches you a lot of independence. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, um, you're out there and um, you're the only one that twists that throttle. And, you know, in yeah. other motorsports that is too, but um, really it comes down to engines, I feel like, in other sports and in this sport. Mm-hmm. You could do it without a, you know, um, really any help. Um, and as long oh. as you have talent and you have the speed, it doesn't matter what bike you're on, you're going to show it. And I feel oh, like in other, other motorsports, you can't do that because you're limited with how much money you put into engines. Exactly. And She wants to talk on the podcast tonight. Yeah, she does. And, <laughs> I said, yeah, he does. But one, I was going to say one thing, too, is, and what was I going to say? I lost train of thought. Oh, goodness gracious. She she thought, baby, you messed up daddy's thought process. <laughs> no, you're good. Just, um, yeah, you know, you learn everything from the sport. Oh, oh decisions. That's what I was going to say. Yep. It it teaches you a lot, a lot about decisions, you know, a lot of decisions. Yeah. No kidding. No kidding. Uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, get her uh, chilled out here and get a bottle, and we're actually going to go ahead and get Mike Farr. Speaking of local racing, let's go ahead and get NCMX's own Mike Farr here on the line. Dirt Industries Custom Graphics for over 10 years 
They've designed, manufactured, and marketed the highest quality dirt bike graphics and decals to the motocross and consumer markets. Their high-quality high decals are considered by many to be the best in the industry. The awesome graphics and decals are utilized by professionals and weekend warriors alike. The highly acclaimed design team is well-equipped to help their customers get the look they want in a short amount of time. And Heavy D, there's no other uh, better graphics company in the North Carolina area locally than Dirt Industries Custom Graphics with some of the things that they have. Oh, yeah, man. They, they, their new stuff is going insanely crazy. All the chrome kits and hollow kits. It's going to be sweet. So if you had to check them out, you definitely want to go do so. Absolutely. And make sure to use code IMPERATIVEMX, all caps, no space, uh, from the website or even call down there. And uh, we're not going to have a local legend segment this week, but pretty close to it. Mike Farr from NCMX. How you doing, Mike? Thanks for uh, coming on here to the Imperative MX podcast. Hey, Zach. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. No problem. Man, the uh, 2023 season for NCMX is starting up here soon, and uh, we have a lot of good tracks uh, that are on the series this year uh, with the Ridge MX coming back. Um, also have Bla uh, Black Ankle in there as well. Uh, new tracks and there's a lot of uh, new things and great things coming from the NC uh, MX side and uh, yeah no it's been uh, it's been good what uh, what you think and how's everything been going yes yeah, so we're we are so fired up for the season to get started like you said we've got uh, black ankle that's going to be a fun one um, the ridge uh, we were down there two weeks ago for their what they called their soft opening it yep. was just fantastic um, everybody absolutely loved the the layout, um, it's still, you know, old school Devil's Ridge, if you will, with with really all of the things that, that you know, we all really wanted to have happen over the years. Right. Uh, it's a little safer. There's a little safer. Um, there's one new uh, little section, which is really cool. Uh, but overall, it's just a really good, fun, flowing, old school motocross track. Yeah, no. Uh, so we're excited about that, for yeah. sure. Yeah, no, Devil's Ridge has a lot of, um, I'm I'm probably gonna keep calling it Devil's Ridge because that's just what uh, it's tough. It, you know it it is tough. Uh, the, the track's been around for so long and so iconic, and it, I you know myself and Heavy D have talked about it many times. And um, man, it, it it took a lot uh, of work and a lot of preparation coming into this from a lot of people's hands and a lot of different minds. Um, yeah, speak on that and kind of speak on the the process and kind of where we've uh, gotten to now. Sure. So it, it, it started out kind of funny. Um, you know, I was told uh, by Kent uh, Cameron that uh, the property was being sold and they were never going to race there again. Uh, uh, four individuals were buying it and they were going to, they were going to farm and maybe ride some ATVs and do that sort of stuff. Uh, so uh, we'll fast forward uh, to about four months ago or so. There was a, a post on Facebook and it said, hey, you know, we're the owners of, of the Devil's Ridge uh, property. Uh, is there anybody interested in racing on it? I thought, you know, this is a hoax. Yeah. <laughs> it, it didn't sound right. So, yeah. um, but, but I went ahead and, and I sent him a private message and told him I was interested. At the time, I thought maybe, you know, maybe I could lease the track once or twice a year and, and have a race. Right. Uh, but I didn't follow through with it because I really thought they were – you know, I, I thought it was just some guys playing a joke. So right. I didn't follow through at that point. Um, about two months later, I found out it was real, that they really were trying to get something going with it. So I contacted them immediately, found out what they were trying to do. 
which was basically get the place up and operational. Um, you know, they want to have races. They want to be open during the week. They want to have you know, training. They wanted to do all kinds of things, but not one of them knew of knew the first thing about motocross. Gotcha. Um, they had never been to a race. They knew nothing about it. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So I, uh, I thought at that point in time, the best thing for me to do was, was get a hold of my buddy, Mark Chez, yep. uh, owns uh, NCMP and uh, see if he wanted to get involved in a project. And he was all in right off the bat. So we, uh, we met with them a few times, went out to dinner, uh, got a game plan together and, uh, just went for it. And, you know, Mark took all of his equipment down there, had a heck of a crew down there and, and we worked it and everything's been working out just fine so far. So yeah. Yeah. We'll no see way. this, this weekend. Go ahead. Yeah, this weekend coming up, they're having their grand opening. Yep. Um, we're gonna try to try to get to two good days of riding in down there and and get ready for the first race, which is uh, uh, April first and second. Awesome. Yeah, I, I wish that um, the uh, area qualifier wasn't this weekend because I would have loved uh, to go down um, and ride at the uh, at the ridge. But bike's still uh, under maintenance right now and. Uh, Get ready to go for this weekend, but yeah, no, uh, the grand opening of that place is uh, is awesome. What did the did you go out there and actually check it before they broke ground uh, on it again? I I did not. Mark did. Oh, okay. Um, he uh, he went down and looked at it, and you know, structurally, all the buildings there, obviously, the the tracks still there, the gates still there, everything's there. Yeah. Um, it just had been untouched for uh, you know, six eight months. Um, so really it wasn't too far gone. Oh, okay. Um, okay. There's just, uh, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't that bad at all. Um, they had, they, geez, there's no telling how many hundreds of tires they, they dug out and oh, uh, sure. just cleaning, cleaning stuff out and, and that sort of thing. But, when, uh, when yeah, did, I mean, over, when did that track actually open, um, as devil's Ridge back in the day, it was like the early seventies, right? 79 is all I can tell you. I don't know what month, but it, they opened up to, for racing in 79. Wow, wow. And um, oh, yeah. let's speak about uh, the old District 29, um, if you don't mind me act, uh, asking. Kind of what went down with that, and then what, um, I guess, brought up the spark in, um, you know, creating a new uh, series. I know Shep had... Um, passed away from uh d29 and i don't believe any uh, actually let me just hear it from your side what what actually happened in the in the whole situation and kind of to where we are now uh since ncmx is uh within its first couple of years well sure i'll, I'll do my best but um i'll tell you this although we we moved to north carolina in 1997 uh, we had always considered ourselves district 13ers. <laughs> right. We, we didn't race a lot at district 29. We were, I got we you. went Virginia and, and North more than, than, uh, district 29. I but, got you. um, when, uh, when, when the uh, Langdon's, um, um, stopped, uh, running district 29, uh, Mark and Jill Chez actually took it over and I think they ran it for eight or 10 years. Okay. Uh, but it just, it was just kind of, you know, what I've been told is there are several things, several reasons why it, it kind of faded away. But the first part of it being it's such a huge geographical area, District 29, North right. and South Carolina. Um, I can remember uh, way back in the day when we first moved down here, there, there'd be three, maybe four district points paying races in District 29 on the same weekend. Yeah. Um, 
I may be exaggerating, but I know for a fact it was multiple. Right. You know, that's a problem. Um, you know, tracks closing down for whatever reason, you know, uh, Rolling Hills was closed down and, um, you know, Montrose ran some AMA stuff. They had got closed down. Um, so, you know, tracks kind of fading away. Um, you know, uh, some tracks went, went with, um, more, uh, the victory sports stuff. And it, it was just what I understand. It was just too much. And we, we, uh, they'd be putting on the races and, and just weren't getting the turnouts and it just kind of imploded. I got you. So the Mark, uh, with NCMP, uh, from day one, he always had uh, district 13 races. Mm-hmm. Um, and he would typically run them with 29 running together. There was a lot of that back in the day. Um, so he, uh, he stayed with district 13 for several years while there was no formal AMA racing going on in North Carolina. Right. So, uh, last year, um, for the, uh, I guess we'll call it the 22, uh, sanctioning meeting. Um, during that meeting, Mark decided that, uh, you know, he, he wanted to step away from racing altogether at NCMP. Um, you know, he just didn't like a few things that were happening and, just wanted to get out. He was just tired of it. And, um, uh, he wasn't at the meeting. I was there, um, for him. Um, after the meeting, I begged him, I told him basically, you can't do that. You know, you can't take your ball and go home. Yeah. <laughs> too many, too many people love racing at, at NCMP. We got to figure out something else. Mm. And that's that night is when he said, well, let's, let's get something going in North Carolina again. You know, let's, let's do something for the North Carolina riders. Let's have an AMA series. And, and that's how it started. And, uh, I would say that was the very tail end, December, early December 21, early January 22, um, was when we started talking about it by January 9th. We had, uh, we had basically our full lineup in place for NCMX. Um, we decided not to call it district 29, uh, because we were going to focus solely on North Carolina and we just didn't think we were right. To, to call it that and not be the full North Carolina, South Carolina. So yeah. that way, if South Carolina wanted to do something, they could, um, you know, so that, that's really, really the, the, the nickel version, I guess. Um, it, uh, you know, uh, a lot of things went down, a lot of things happened, but bottom line is we're very happy to be able to, to provide other races in North Carolina, a quality AMA series to run. Um, we're very excited about the tracks. Uh, super excited about getting um, five out of the seven manufacturers' contingency programs for this year. Yep. Um, so yeah, we're 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 pretty fired up. Yeah. Yep. Looking forward to the season kicking off next weekend at NCMP. Absolutely, the Imperative MX Podcast, episode number seventeen, speaking with NCMX's own Mike Farr. Heavy D. Yeah, I know. I, I understand where you're coming from, especially was the district getting for so long it was good and i know it was a lot of factors that played into it you know it kind of went downhill but as far i know you named several tracks that you guys lost and i know if i'm not mistaken sand hill was one eventually yeah. camp poker was one um and i see like now tracks are starting to come back in um are y'all you know even like I know it's early in the year, but are y'all still continuing to like try and push for more tracks? So we're set on tracks for this year. Um, we're always thinking and, and always um, 
trying to, to do what we can to, to make the series better. We have been in touch with a couple of the tracks you just mentioned. Um, you know, they're not quite ready to do things yet. Um, and we're not sure how that would work out, but, uh, there's no doubt the sport is growing. Um, you know, you can look any, any given weekend, just about every track that puts on an open practice is packed. Um, and there's racing going on too. I mean, the amount of riding, the amount of places we have to ride here in North Carolina is fantastic. Um, I mean, it's, it's as a, as a promoter, as an organizer, um, uh, sometimes you might say it's too much. The options <laughs> but, uh, are in I, North I, Carolina. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's fantastic, and you know we we have NCMX, which which I would consider to be um, stationed basically in the center of the state. Um, we we do have a couple tracks east within Elizabeth City and West Craven, uh, but you know we're we're pretty much in the center, and then you have. Uh, two two really good outlaw series, one in the in the west and one in the east. Um, you know, it, there's there's just a lot going, a lot of racing going on. Um, the tracks in the east, they're they're fantastic places to go ride, especially in the winter months, the wet months. Um, they hold water really well. The guys that own those tracks, they know how to work them. Uh, you know, you can West Craven, for example, you can go ride there after a monsoon and you'll be fine. Yeah. Um, you know, so. I- there's a lot of a lot of great racing going on in North Carolina. A lot of good stuff. Heavy D. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. One thing I would love to see, and I don't know if it ever happened, but you know you got NCM NCMX, which you know you got new. I mean, basically all of North Carolina, but it seems like more on you know towards the outer, like the the coast side of North Carolina, you know, and then. Over here, where I am, we got like the Carolina Outlaw Series. I've always thought it would be so awesome to do like, like have the riders from this series and the riders from the NCMX series just meet somewhere neutral in the middle and have like a, uh, a east part of North Carolina or northern part of North Carolina or a western part of North Carolina like battle like shoot off race. That would be so sweet. That would that would be a lot of fun. That really would. And uh, I can tell you, I would certainly be open to to talk to anybody about that stuff. Well, um, me and Heavy no, D have been talking a little bit. Uh, we wanna, we wanna maybe have a like a Imperative MX, uh, like a pro shootout at some point. Uh, Heavy D, you remember that conversation? Yeah, that's why. That's why I'm bringing this up. Like, I, I feel like it's the Imperative MX neutral ground race. It's like <laughs> dead flat in the middle. I think that would be so awesome. That yeah. would be. That would be a lot of fun. That would be a lot of fun. Absolutely, yeah, and. Sure. Uh, Mike, for the people um, that don't know your past in the sport, um, I know a little bit of it. Um, but for the ones that don't know, uh, your background, I raced with your daughter, uh, Samantha, for uh, 20 years, pretty much the entire time I've been racing. I think me and Samantha yeah. have, have raced. So, um, yeah, speak on your past a little bit. So, you know, I'm an old guy. Um, I started riding uh, dirt bikes with my dad and my brother. Uh, when I was three, so that would have been 1970. Okay. So uh, I started riding in, in, on a Montgomery Ward, you know, pole string special, <laughs> and uh, that quickly got into the the Honda Mini Trail 50s and and all that stuff. And my brother and I, we rode in the woods with my dad um, primarily till till I was almost 11, 
when he took us to a, a motocross race and he actually wanted us to race flat track. That's what he was into, gotcha. but he, he messed up, took us to a motocross race <laughs> and, and we hounded him. We hounded him for probably three months. And, and then one day we, uh, we swung in the Suzuki dealership and, and we had two new bikes and we picked them up on Thursday night and we raced Friday night. That's awesome. And, uh, that would have been 1979. Yep. So I raced, uh, motocross uh from 79 till i graduated 85 um from there i went in the navy for about eight years i still dabbled in it um samantha actually a lot of people don't know this but she has an older brother toby mm -hmm. um he's four years older than her he he started riding uh, when i was living in navy base housing in uh, kings bay georgia they they used to come by and holler at us but i bought him a little pw50 um in jacksonville florida <laughs> And uh, put it in the back of my back seat of my Hyundai and took it home. And he uh, he started riding there in the, in the backyard. And uh, uh, from there, I, I transferred into Maryland. And at that time, I had a, a YZ490. I was still tinkering around with a little bit. And Toby had the 50. Um, and Sam came along. You know, between my dad, my brother, myself, my two kids, we we've been racing motocross really um, since the late 60s early 70s yeah um and we've we've raced pretty much every level there is to to race at right um you know i i was joking with somebody about this the other day but um the list of guys that that sam has uh has raced against over the years and beat is is incredible yeah yeah <laughs> it really is but uh yeah so i've been at this a, a very long time my parents are are in their early 80s they still absolutely love it they'll call me you know, of course, my dad, he's a little technologically uh, sound disadvantaged. Yeah. He'll be he'll hollering about what channel it's on, you know, and, yeah. but uh, they, they still love it. To this day, when we get together, we talk about all five of my brother, my sister, myself, my mom and dad traveling in a, a little uh, Chevy Custom Deluxe three-speed on the column, you know, leaving at three in the morning on a Sunday to go to racing. We talk about it all the time. You know, just absolutely love it. Yep. Um, yeah, I've been, been around for a little while. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And uh, did you um, you did something with a dealership back in the day, correct? Yeah. So I uh, uh, my kids were sponsored by Twin County uh, Motorsports in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina. Uh -huh. And one day out of the blue, I went in to get some parts, and the, the owner said, "Hey, man, you uh, you want to come work for me? I'm opening up another dealership up in Virginia, just over the border in South Hill." And uh, I laughed and joked, you know, I, I, I've never been in retail. I've never done sales. I don't know any of that stuff. And, yeah. Um, long story short, we had a deal that if he wanted to sell the dealership that I would get first crack at it. So, you know, I, I said, sure. I said, well, how much do you make? I said, well, just so happens I got my new pay stub in my pocket. Here it is. He said, I can give you half of that. <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, all right, all right. we'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Um, I went to work. We had uh, Kawasaki, Suzuki, and Yamaha Watercraft at my location. Yeah. And sure enough, about a year, year and a half into it, he, he didn't want that location anymore. It was just too much for him to have, to have one across the border or whatnot. So, um, you know, he asked me, did you want to buy it? And uh, I called my dad, and, and long story short, we were all in. And uh, it just it got down to, you know, one or two more signatures, and I got scared. Um, you know, we were back in the 09, you know, 2009, yep. 2010, uh, and, and, you know, I could ruin myself financially, but I just couldn't do it to my dad. So, right. um, I pulled out, 
and uh, I pulled out and got a real job, and <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that's the I got you. The, that's the quick version of it, but yeah, um, I, I enjoyed it, um, really did. I, I think uh, if I'd have just had the guts to do it, I'd have been just fine, but I'm just not wired that way, so. Yeah, well, uh, for in case you didn't know, um, that's one of the reasons why I gave up uh, doing uh, professional. After the, uh, we actually were talking about this right before you got on um, here on the podcast, that um, I got hurt in Baltimore, and after that, I went to the hospital again. And for the past two years, I had been in and out of hospitals with surgeries, doctors, physical therapy, and at that time, you know, I didn't work because I was hurt, so I couldn't pay for anything. And unfortunately, it was coming out of Dad's pocket. And that's one of the reasons, Heavy D, you know, like that's one of the reasons I gave it up. I didn't want to, I, I, even though my dad would have loved to, like if he was sitting right here, he would have been like, no, don't, don't, no. But yes, that is exactly why uh, one of the major reasons is because I was spending a lot of his money and uh, I didn't feel like it was going to go anywhere. So I kind of uh, feel you uh, on, um, on that situation, Mike. Yeah, it's just, it was tough. You know, I, I, I really uh, loved it, um, but it just, I, I just couldn't pull the trigger on it. Right. Heavy D? Yeah, no, I feel that. Like, it's just funny. Like, I mean, I just stopped because I didn't feel like I was going anywhere. But, I mean, my dad loved it. Like, even my, to this day, my dad's a motocross fanatic. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. He, man, he, him, my, my mom and dad, a ridiculous amount of money for me to race. Like, yep. it was crazy. I mean, they counted up one year, and it was like seventy some yeah. thousand dollars. Yeah, don't don't ever do that. Yeah, don't ever count up how much. <laughs> don't at ever, the end don't of the year. ever. I I tried to ask don't my dad one year, and he and he told me that it was over a hundred, and he was like, "Don't ask again." I was like, 10 four, like yeah. ten four, like <laughs> it's uh, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah, and I mean, especially with you know, you had two kids that raced and. Um, you raced a little bit back in the day. I mean, it's it's an expensive sport for sure. And um, and, absolutely. And trying to get people, um, you know, and one of the things, and you know this, we talked at Silver Valley and also at Dreamville, and and you know the reasons behind this podcast of trying to grow this local sport um, in motocross again to what it used to be like. Because I know that you know what it used to be like. Um, back in the oh, day yeah. and how many yeah. people were coming through that gate and how many people would be racing. Oh. And, um, I mean, it was 42 weekends out of the year. Sometimes, you know, there would be two races, uh, at a time, but, um, you know, sometimes even in, even now that happens with different series. Um, and yeah, I mean, the local racing is, uh, is definitely, um, something that people, uh, don't want to miss out on for sure. And um, and I know that that's why you're doing this as well for the NCMX uh, series. Absolutely. You know, um, there's so many people that, that ride, but not so many people that race. And I, I don't, I, I'm trying to bridge that gap. Uh, every chance I get uh, on practice weekends, I, I talk to as many people as I can about coming out and racing and, you know, what, what, what's your reason? Why, why aren't you racing? Why you know, what are your fears, whatever. And just trying to get as many people in the sport that, that I, that, that I know the three of us love, yeah. um, you know, just get as many people to these tracks and, and, and race as we possibly can, because that's, that's, what's going to keep it going. Um, and that's, what's going to, that's going to help it grow. Absolutely. Get more people, uh, at the, at the track for gate drops. Yeah. And, you know, local racing, you know, we've talked about it 
myself and Heavy D talk about it. This podcast is about it. It's about local racing, motocross racing, and, um, you know, I asked you and I asked Heavy D and I asked other people in the local uh, racing spot why they love uh, local racing. And, you know, I'm going to be doing a um, an article and a story up on Imperative MX about that and how many life lessons that you've learned from racing a dirt bike and traveling to these places, waking up early, you know, um, there's so many, uh, you know, independency. There's on and on and on that I do not think people really and truly understand what they get out of just racing a dirt bike. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. You know, and just simple things like I, I think motocross racers are some of the best drivers on the road, period. Absolutely. always looking at things you look you know you're looking at, at you know possible scenarios and you know getting around this guy so that's not going to fall off the truck on me or whatever i mean yep uh, but, you know I, my per I, I i've never understood why everybody in the world doesn't race motocross to be honest with you that's how much i love it <laughs> well uh, you know nowadays you know uh unfortunately there are parents out there that just want to bubble wrap their kids when they can't especially yeah. in this world right now like there is no bubble yeah. wrapping your kid in this world i'm sorry but there's not um and i think getting those life lessons early out of the way i'm not saying that you have to drop everything you know and go and race do it on some weekends go and go and have fun like i was telling heavy d like i don't mind going to these races and if i fall down in the first corner and i get last i don't care i'm there for the experience i'm there for the friendship i'm there right. for the family i'm there for the fun i'm there for the atmosphere that's what i pay this money to do and you have to think that way going in because if you don't then you're not going to have any fun at all and it's just gonna it's gonna go downhill before you even get there so no question no question and i think there's there's two types of racers that have that mentality. Um, the, the ones that start out that way where it's all just fun and it's all about fun. But for most of us, it gets real serious real fast. Yep. And I think if you can stay in it long enough to get past that, you know, get, get past chasing whatever it is you're chasing and, and realize you love doing this, you know, you, you love being at the track on the weekends, you love the people that are there, you know, you, you, you think about it 24-7, uh, but it's not, it, it's not going to be the end of the world. If you, if you don't win, right. You know, you're there, you're competing, you're having fun, you're, you're riding your dirt bike. There's not much better for than that, in my opinion. Absolutely. And especially during the summer, you know, and, um, you know, it's, it's a, it, the way that I look at it, it's a, it's a way of stepping out of real life and reality for a weekend. It's, it's, you know, of course you still have to worry about things, of course, but it's not to the level of you being at home and, you know, having all of that around you. Getting out and going to these tracks, I think, even eases the mind and helps the mind for, uh, for people as well to keep their mind occupied, keep them physically, you know, in shape. Even if they're not riding, they're walking, you know, or riding a bike or, you know, um, whatever the case may be. There's so many different reasons on why people uh, – should go and race on the weekends for sure absolutely i agree 100 percent. heavy d yeah i know hold on this is all right um mike real quick changes uh from 2022 to 2023 um real quick you want to yeah. want to highlight some of those i know some of those even uh affect me in the in the vet class but go ahead and uh and recap some of those for us yeah, so um, in the vet class, we'll start there. The first thing we did was um, I had a lot of folks uh, this year ask me 
about changing the plus 35, we'll call it money class, to plus 30. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the first things we did. We we dropped it down to 30. So we, we have a 25 money, 30 money, you know, 40, 45, 50, and we've added a 55 trophy class because we've had people asking about that too. So that was one of the first things we did. On top of that, we went from 80% payout to 100% payout in those money paying classes for the vet guys. Awesome. Um, and that's, I talked to a lot of people, a yep. lot of vet guys, and they all said to do it. Um, and they all said to raise the uh, entrance fee from sign up fee from thirty to forty dollars, just like the the four fifty eight guys. Cool. Um, everybody I talked to said to do that. So that's that's one of the big things we did for the vet guys. Cool. Um, Thank you for that. One by thing the way. we're gonna do. Absolutely, absolutely. Wait, hey, and, uh, Mike, before you move any farther, am I able to run thirty plus uh, if I don't turn thirty until June? You'll be able to run it in June. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Age group, age classes, <laughs> age classes are your age as of the day of your birthday. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, Cause yeah. I could do Loretta's yeah. this year because you know, uh, obviously by Loretta's yeah. I'll be 30, but anyways, go ahead. Right. Yes. Yeah. So this, this next one, um, I get a lot of, a lot of praises for it, but I also think it's going to give me a lot of grief and that is our beginner classes this year. Okay. 65 D 85 D and open D. If a rider comes to sign up on one of those classes, it's the only class you're going to be allowed to ride. That's it. Gotcha. If you're a beginner, then you're a beginner. And, and it's not for punishment. It's to, it's for a couple of reasons. Number one, we need to give these beginner kids and in, in, in older kids a safe place to learn how to race motocross. Right. And, uh, you know, when, when you just open it up and let, let these kids that, that, surely are not beginners in there it's discouraging and it's dangerous right uh one thing we did uh about halfway through the year uh this past year we we made a special practice session for saturdays and sunday mornings um 65 beginners 85 beginners in our girls classes Uh, what i was seeing was so many close calls so many just almost getting landed on and and we, we did have a young man in, uh, well, I guess he, like he writes super mini. Uh, he had to check up real fast at NCMP and he ended up breaking his arm because a beginner rolled the jump and, and swerved a little bit to his left and there was nowhere for the kid to go. So right. uh, when that happened, I said, that that's it. That's we got to start yeah. making changes now, yeah. right now. So, um, is it going to, is it going to be a, a real popular thing for some it is for some it's not, but yeah. Again, the goal is to get you in there, um, get you experience, and move on up. And get that, you that's home the goal. Safely. Yeah, that's right. It's about being safe. Bottom line. Period. Um, you know, and, and another thing, you know, when a, when a sixty-five uh, kid that's been racing seven to nine for for two years jumps on an eighty-five, he's not an eighty-five beginner. Um, there, there's people just don't understand that. Just because you move up a bike class doesn't mean you're a beginner in that class. Right. Um, Right. This is this. That's why I I, I made the stip, you know the right there in in black and white. If you sign up in that D class, you're you're a D rider. You're a beginner. That that's it. Yeah. That's your only class you're allowed to ride. Yep. Uh, it's just you know, are we going to lose some some signups? Yes. Uh, but it's not all about revenue. It's not all about money. It's about getting these kids to learn the sport, hone their craft a little bit, and be as safe as we possibly can. Not only for the beginners, but for the faster riders. I've seen just as many fast riders get hurt because of a mistake by a beginner as a beginner get hurt because of a fast guy. So, Correct. you know, that's, so we'll see how that goes. Um, that, that's another change we made. We, uh, 
We started out last year with 39 classes. We removed two classes for this year and added the, the, the plus 55. So we, we actually dropped one class and we're down to 38. Gotcha. Um, so yeah. Uh, do, do you, other like, than that, do you wish the classes were a little bit slimmer, like back in the twenties again. So I, I wish I wish we were twenty five to twenty eight is where yeah. we should be. Yeah. Um, that's where I really wish we were. And interestingly enough, um, we've been talking about this winter series that we're in right now. It's almost over. Um, if we're going to do it again next year, what's it going to look like? It's going to have to be different. And one of the things we're talking about is is definitely shaving classes out. Yeah. Um, for fuller gates, for more lap time. You know, we we need we need to get down out of the twenty one motos. We need to get down so we can give you more more gate time, more track time. Um, but thirty nine classes is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, when when I came up with our class list last year, I looked at, you know, I looked at Victory Sports. I looked at District thirteen. I looked at at uh, um, uh, the, the two Outlaw series just to see what people are running and you know i think a couple of them had 40 43 it's it's insane and you know on top of that it's 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 uh you offer so many classes so now you got a little johnny running four classes yeah all right yeah let me tell you what we got we got vet guys and and little dudes running four classes i can't begin to tell you how hard it is to make a moto order oh that that comes out oh it is so hard it is so hard yeah, because but, you're gonna uh, have somebody come back, you know, come up and be like, "Well, I'm Moto 15," and then you have me back on the gate for 17. Like, like, man, I'm doing yeah. the best we can here, you know? Like, yeah, I, you, you think it's something simple, but you you move one moto, <laughs> move it to number two and one into 17. And now you've just created four more problems. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's, just, yeah. it's insane. It's that, insane. I I really wish that 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 we would just all the organizations would just agree. We're, we're going to cut this down and, and, and you know, uh, hopefully we can have bigger gates and, you know, not, no staggers. Maybe we can have 30 man gates instead of, uh, you know, 15s yeah. and 12s and nines, but who knows? Nines. Yeah. 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 It's terrible. It's, it's terrible. Nobody likes watching those races. It, it's terrible. Nobody likes racing in those races. Right. Heavy but, D. Uh, you know, the fear, the fear as an organizer is that if you don't offer the classes, then they're not going to come. Yeah. That's you know, true. and, and, you know, so it's 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 a it's a fine line, but I truly do wish that that we could do something about the amount of classes. Absolutely, absolutely, heavy D. Yeah, the this the amount of classes is just so. I mean, it's so far fetched, and and here's the thing too. Like you said, it is a fine line. It's like you have you have the ones that come, and if you don't have that class, they complain. I, and right. I remember last year, it was last year, yeah, last year, one of our Outlaw Series races, we had a guy from another series come, and that, it was a series that raced with our series, and we didn't have that class, and this guy was so furiated, like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about he was threatening to help and all kinds of stuff, yep. I was like, I just went up there and I thought, I was like, look, I'm, I'm going to be respectful, I was like, you know. I understand you upset. We don't have this class, but what you are not going to do is come up here and threaten our help and say you're going to do this and do that. Because for one, yeah, mm-hmm. we'll call the police, but you're going to deal with me before I, we call the police, and then you can do that. Right. Because that's just not necessary. <laughs> no, and there's no need for that. It's other classes to race. I'm sorry that's we don't right. have that class, but you, I guarantee you, you're signing up for more than one class. Yeah, yeah. 
I'm, I'm going to tell you, um, you know, you've heard this, this saying and, and more than just motocross, you cannot make everybody happy. It is absolutely impossible. Oh, and, you're uh, right about it. Try, try to make a class list out that everybody's happy with. Forget it, man. Forget it. <laughs> it 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 does really have to be um be hard. We had Alex Dawson, uh, who is the brand new owner over there at at uh, District Thirteen, and um yeah, it's got to right, be yeah. hard for for everybody um to be almost on the on the same page. And I was talking with him, and I sure I sure throughout the year, I would love to kind of have everybody you know get together and and try to work on things with scheduling, classes, I mean, everything to make everything work for, you know, just about everybody. But I know that a lot of things rely on MX Sports and what they're doing because a lot of people are proned on that racing or that race throughout the year. So they want to race that right. specific class also. So Right, right. It's uh, it's you know, that's uh, it's funny. Uh, one of the things we decided when we, we started NCMX um, – for whatever reason, uh, locally, um, the districts got away from having a district race the same weekend as a qualifier. Um, talking about, you know, kids are afraid to ride with these faster kids or whatever. But we decided right off the bat, we're, we're not going to do that. We're going to do it like we used to do it back in the old days. Um, you know, there used to be a district race on the same weekend as a qualifier, and it was, it was fine. In fact, it was good for everybody. So that's what we've done. Um, right. We only have one qualifier. And NCMX last year it was NCMP, and this year too. We're hoping next year maybe we can get a couple more, or maybe one more. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we 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 don't want our we don't want our, our riders to run from the competition. You know, we want to want to bring them in here and show them this is what it's about. You know, this is what you're trying to do. Right. Um, speak about Wendy Hill this weekend. I saw that they were going to have a race, and uh, we actually talked last weekend that you were going, and kind of at the last minute, uh, decision got made to not have the race. Uh, kind of give us a your thoughts and uh, what kind of happened? That was horrible, man. It, it uh, uh, I, I give a lot of, of credit to, to Casey Champion, the owner of Wendy Hill. He he really handled that situation very well. But the bottom line is, um, we probably, as an organization, should have talked Tuesday, Wednesday, going into it. Um, you know, uh, we had that race on the on the schedule for months. Um, you know, Birch scheduled their opener on it, which okay. Um, I didn't know that, uh, club MX was having an open ride weekend, one of the last ones for a while. Um, and then I didn't really realize how many of our folks go down to Daytona as well. Right. So really hindsight being 2020, we probably should have, should have got together early Tuesday, Wednesday and talked about it. Right. But, uh, you know, when, what basically the bottom line is there, there was, um, geez, 20, 25 people tops there for practice on Saturday. And, um, you know, when, when Casey called me over, his concern was, you know, having, having a, a bunch of classes with one pe one person in it, maybe two. And it's just, you know, uh, having people come and sign up and pay all that money to come and race against one person or nobody, he said, it just isn't right. So we, uh, we stopped practice at about noon. We called everybody up to the, to the announcer's tower, explained what was going on, asked for their input, um, asked, you know, does anybody want to go ahead and race? And, you know, nobody really uh, was really into that at all. So at that point in time, we just uh, um, had a really fun practice day. Uh, we gave them super long laps. We actually did run a couple of mock motos, uh, little bikes and, and big bikes alike. Cool. I think we ran three of them all together. And, you know, we gave them a ton of laps and just, just had fun. 
And then, uh, you know, we were already there and set up. So we stayed and spent the night and watched Supercross. And, and then Sunday, a whole bunch of people showed up and we practiced and yeah, but it was, it was gut wrenching. You know, I, I, uh, you know, these Facebook posts, I, I so bad. I want to say something, but you're just opening yourself up to, to a beating, but yeah. you know, what I would tell people that want to, want to really, um, complain about it is, you know, be thankful that you're never going to be the guy having to make that decision because it sucks. Yeah. It sucks for everybody. Yeah. And that's, um, and that's good. Cause, cause heavy yeah. D I, I can't even remember what I was doing on Saturday, but he called me up and, and we were uh, speaking about it. And that was one of the things I said is I hope that they kind of got together um, and, you know, asked everybody's input and sure enough, just like what you said, uh, that was, and that's good. Yeah. That everybody was good. Cause I did see a couple of Facebook posts where people were saying that they were driving all the way and, you know, you get those bad comments. I, I, you know, I own, you know, multiple social media platform, uh, you know, accounts. Oh, so sure, I, sure, I, I, get, sure. I get it all the time. Uh, so, um, it's one of those things you have to block out and you just kind of have to, uh, think about what the best, uh, scenario is and, uh, kind of forget about the disability Island people, um, on the social, yeah. uh, social yeah. media platforms nowadays. Um, Heavy D, uh, any any uh, any last questions here for uh, NCMX's own uh, Mike Farr here on the Imperative MX podcast episode number uh, seventeen? I almost said thirteen. Number seventeen, brought to you by wow. Dirt Industries Custom Graphics. Oh uh, yeah, just you know, that's good. Everybody got together, and you know, y'all made the decision. I know a lot of people didn't understand. I'm not going at first. I didn't understand. I. I just because I looked at it as, oh, you know, sometimes you may take a loss, but I didn't pay attention to also like Birch Creek Club MX. I knew Daytona. A lot of people went to Daytona. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it, it was just so much going on. So I, I also huh. look, at, look at it from the perspective of, you know, only a couple riders on the gate. So I kind of understood, you know. Yeah, you know, um, winter series racing in general is, is hit or miss. It really is. Um, you know, we, we get a huge, huge northern following. Um, and if they don't show up, then it's, 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 it's oh, a sorry. tough one. Yeah. But yeah, we're, we're going to, we're going to look at it for, for, uh, the end of this year going into 24 and see what we can do different, do better. You know, we're talking about a couple different options, maybe, um, not having 10 rounds, maybe drop it down to six and maybe a couple of those or half of those. Maybe we do Saturday and Sunday racing. Yeah. Um, you know, we're going to, we're going to pull the folks in the organization and, and let people vote on it a little bit and see what they say. And, uh, you know, we'll go from there, but I will tell you, man, that was not an easy decision. It, it was absolutely horrible to me. I hated it. Absolutely hated it. Yeah. And, um, you know, one of the things too, that, uh, that we, you know, speak about, I, I just want everybody to, to work together to make, to make things the, the best that they can be for the people, the, um, uh, you know, the racers, the riders, the parents, um, you know, the people that are running the organizations yourself, Alex Dawson, Mark, I mean, all of the, you know, everybody that is putting in, um, the effort to make these local races run smoothly and everything. Um, I just feel like there's a little bit of lack of uh, communication, but I feel like uh, with everything going on, I feel like we can move in the in the right direction and and trend um, on the upward slope. And I and I thank you for coming on uh, to the Imperative MX podcast. I know that I've been we've been trying to get you on for a little bit now, and uh, the timing was right on this one, and um, especially with the series starting up um, this coming uh, next weekend. So. Um, right, right, yeah. Well, it, I, I appreciate, yeah, I appreciate you having me. Any chance I get to talk about NCMX, I'm going to be talking. So, yeah, 
Yeah, I, I appreciate it for sure. Let me put a bug in your ear. Uh, me and Heavy D were uh, talking a little bit, and I got a uh, I got some people's uh, responses uh, privately. Um, what would you think about on some of the races? Um, obviously, uh, also uh, before I forget, uh, I need to get back to you on the uh, on the schedule. And me and um, Zach Heron are going to go through mm -hmm. to try to schedule for uh, doing some announcing for you guys. So uh, sorry about the late delay on that. Uh, I'll no get back problem. to you on no that. Uh, but what about if uh, when me and Heavy D are at these um, at some of these races this summer uh, that we plan on coming to? Uh, would you be okay with uh, an Imperative MX podcast being actually at uh, one of the races where we can bring up uh, riders that uh, that come um, or, you know, people within the industry, uh, sponsors, that sort of thing? Would that be something that uh, you'd be open to having? Absolutely. You just say when. We we can do it every round you want to. <laughs> All right. Well, nice. let, let's get a little bit uh let's get a little bit more sponsorship money in the fund and then we can we could probably make it happen. <laughs> so uh but anyways, Mike uh, speaking of announcing, uh, you know, uh, speaking of announcement before I let you go, I know yeah. we talked about Zach Karen is kind of moving on to the G N C C stuff, but uh, heavy, uh I I'd love it if the both of you could come announce a race for us. That would be awesome. Absolutely. Dude, both me and you guys heavy in the booth in the together, booth? man. That would be great. Me and Heavy yes. D in the booth commentating? <laughs> yes. Oh, my goodness. Yes. You want to talk about comedy? Yes. Fun. Oh, man. Well, I'll tell you what. Last year at uh, NCMP, um, we uh, we had Zach there, but we didn't realize that we had already booked Ken Farrell to come. <laughs> so what are we going to do, right? Uh, well, you know what? They both did it together, and it was awesome. awesome. Yeah. It, Ken, and Ken's I think, I think the two of you would be – yeah, the two of you guys together would be really cool. So I'm going to tell you that that invitation's pretty much open for any time you're ready to do it. You tell me, and we'll make it happen. Awesome. I think uh, I think me and Heavy absolutely. D absolutely will make that uh, make that happen uh, here in nice. a short couple of months, and uh, I think it will be good for the uh, for the local community as well. Um, and uh, thank absolutely. you so much for everything that you do for the local community. I know people uh, people support it, and uh, obviously come out to the races and support you and uh, NCMP and every every other track uh, as well, and it was awesome to have you here on episode number 17 of the Imperative MX podcast. Mike, thanks again. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Hey. And it was good to have Mike Farr, uh, one of the owners of NCMX here on the line. Heavy D? Yeah, dude, that was it, it was awesome talking to Mike, man. You know, it's just he's uh he, he keeps the NCMX series going and he does a lot over there and you know, he's always, you know, trying to make it bigger, better and he's always got something up his sleeve. You never know what it is, but I'm telling you, twenty four seven, nine times out of ten, he got something up his sleeve. I'm yeah. telling you. He may not let out, but he has something up his sleeve. Absolutely. And you know, he um we didn't we don't have a uh second guest here so uh you know obviously we pushed it as long as we could and he stayed on with us for an hour a full uh full almost hour heavy d and uh well actually really like 45 minutes but um it was good conversation throughout the local community and his side on things like i didn't know about the whole district 29 and mark chez took it over for a while and then it wasn't on the ama for a while and then all of a sudden it was through a text message so um, it was kind of cool to hear about that and reminisce on uh, on the old times with uh, Mike Farr, Heavy D. Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's good. You know, he's been around the sport a, a long while. 
I'm not trying to make it sound like he's old by saying that. Just want to clarify. <laughs> yeah. But he has, he has been around for a good while, man. And, you know, he, he's very knowledgeable about the sport and what's going on. So, you know, yeah, that's crazy. I didn't know that either. I, I, I remember speaking to Mark a little bit when he uh, he said they were going to do away with District 29. You know, they just – they him and his his wife, Miss Jill, and, you know, Jeremy Creek and uh, his wife as well, they 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 – put in so much time and effort in D29 and it, it you know it was a lot of things that come into play and they, they was trying to grow it but it, it it's hard you know it's like one of those things once something takes a hit it's, it's hard to get it back and they pushed and pushed and pushed they tried everything you know but honestly I think you know starting fresh and just doing the NCMX series was uh was what was what the Carolinas really needed you know right something something um you know, AMA throughout uh, just North Carolina. Um, I think that that was a good pull um, for them to do that. Yes, there are, are tracks in, in um, South Carolina, um, but I think just keeping it local in North Carolina and, you know, a little bit of Virginia, um, I, I think that that is really where um, the high amount of riders are going to come out to um, because this area – North Carolina, really, if you think about it, the East Coast is going to grow. People are, are coming out of California, coming, you know, from the West Coast and moving uh, out here to the East Coast. Um, Star, uh, Triumph is going to be at Walker's Place. Um, you, know, there, you know, there's a lot of things that's going to be happening here on the East Coast, and it's good that um, we're already starting to get established with this NCMX and also the new face over there at D13. I think that this is honestly phenomenal because I, I guarantee within the next 10 years um, or maybe even longer, just about every manufacturer and and facilities and stuff like that are going to be on the on the East Coast. Do you do you agree? Oh, absolutely, man. It's just because, I mean. I think a lot of the manufacturers out in California, because you know, it was a good amount of rounds and stuff on the on the West Coast, and it was a lot of talent on the West Coast as well. But I'm just on the East Coast, dude. There's just as much talent, and it's, it's showing. I mean, you you can look and see a, a lot of the kids coming up or coming out of the East Coast, and they're fast. Like, look, you got Drew Adams and Noah Stevens. Um, a lot of guys at club, Patrick Murphy, yep. um, who else? There's so many, like John Mitchell, who went to Daytona. He's from Bermuda, but, I mean, he's here south of the border. Yeah, I mean, it's so many. Like, it's it's unreal, and I think a lot of them are coming over this way because they're seeing it's a lot of talent over here that's getting overlooked. And, I mean, the facilities are getting better, here. too, here. I mean, you got, yeah. you mean, you know, Walker's place is gone, unfortunately, now, but, I mean, you still have Millsaps. You still have Sandbox. You have um, mm-hmm. GPF. You have um, man, there's south of the border, south of the border there. club. Like there's, you know, seven or eight just here on the on the southeast coast. Like there's also really, there's level really no... up training facility now. Huh? I, I said also level up training facility oh, level now. Up. Yep, yep, yep. Um, yeah. So there's a. There's a lot. I mean, Sugar Tree, uh, during the summer months, I mean, they're open, uh, you know, every day. And uh, Ryan Smith does some training out there with some kids. And Boone Lloyd, who uh, we can't forget about him, he was the little 50 rider from Bedford, Virginia, which is actually right down the street uh, pretty much uh, from myself. Oh, he took yeah. home Boone, the title. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, he took home and the title. Also, heck, you got Kyle, TRP, Kyle Travis here. He's at Dax training. Yeah. Training kids. Yeah. So you got Landon Pepper there, After Hall, Logan Riggins, Bo Reed, um, David Kubek. It's a lot of them, dude. There, there's a lot. I mean, you really think about it. I mean, everybody is moving to this area, and um, it's honestly unbelievable to see. And before we get. Uh, into more amateur racing and into the professionals. Mika Metals strives to be the leader in product quality. Their bars are constructed of 6061 aerospace aluminum and have a unique design that allows them to retain maximum strength while still having the flex you riders desire. Mika sprockets are made from 7075 aerospace aluminum, the highest standard in the industry. Their unique tooth design maximizes wear and lets you ride longer. So make sure to go and check out MikaMetals.com. Check out their inventory and see for yourself. You see the Club MX riders have them on their bikes. Jeremy Martin uh, won the third race of the night uh, in, Har- in Arlington Triple Crown two weekends ago using Mika Metals. So make sure to go and check out MikaMetals.com and uh, – Second sponsor up up on here, Heavy D, we got Hydropower. And uh, Hydropower is a formulated sports nutritionist drink to help eliminate arm pump and increase your endurance so you can ride safer and you can ride faster. And today is their one-year anniversary, Heavy D, and uh, they have grown themselves um, into, pro, uh, into uh, you know, Drew Adams that you were talking about uses uh, Hydropower. Um, Christian Janik uses it. Luke Neese uses it. Michael Hicks uses it. There's a lot of guys that use uh, Hydropower. And you can't forget, you know who else uses Hydropower Heavy D? You do. What do you mean? I do, Heavy D. And you saw what it did to me out at Silver Valley. Oh, it, it got you right. My, my, my guy was on one. He was <laughs> ready to twist the throttle to maximum capacity. Hey, I didn't have to worry about arm pump, bro. I could just go wide open. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, so uh, make sure to go and check out Hydropower dot or drinkhydropower.com. Uh, their one-year anniversary, like I said, is going on right now, and they have a sale of 20% off. So make sure to go and use the code HP1 or go and check out our Instagram uh, post uh, from today, which you guys won't hear it until tomorrow. But uh, go back on my Instagram feed. You'll find it. And, uh Make sure to check out drinkhydropower.com. Get your blue raz today. And, uh, yeah, talk to Garrett for a little bit uh, this morning, actually, on the phone. And you know what, Heavy D, I had, I'm actually, as soon as we get off this podcast right here, while I'm at work, nobody knows, but now everybody does. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to order me uh, two tubs uh, for uh, for this weekend. No, I'm not going to drink the entire two tubs this weekend, but um, – but definitely going to make sure that I have I have it stocked up uh, for the next uh, couple of races that I'll be doing here soon. So make sure to go and check out drinkhydropower.com. And also the link is in the description of this podcast for uh, 10% off your purchase for any Hydropower products. If you don't want to use uh, the discount code for the 20% off, if you want to help us out, you can use that 10%. But I would not really mind if you use that 20%. So Heavy D, go and use that 20, 20% off. All right. Don't use my code. Go and use that twenty percent off code. <laughs> oh. Hey, I'm a happy dude. I'm after. I might not be riding, but I, I get arm pump chasing these youngins around. Oh, I, I, I mean, you know that she was trying to, she was trying to gnaw at that 
phone earlier, man. She was trying to she was trying to get her thoughts and opinions out. She wanted to talk heavily. Oh, she fully latched on my beard and was like not <laughs> having it. I'm telling you. Oh man. Uh FXR from high quality uh snow rider wear to motocross wear or motocross gear. FXR has you covered. The continuing growth of FXR means more selection for you. Jackets, jerseys, pants, gloves, snow gear, whatever it is, they have a selection for you. In my opinion, go and check out the best in sizing, fitting, and vinning for motocross riding gear. Garrett Marchbank said that himself. Uh, he backed me up on that quote, and so did Kyle Bitterman uh, as well, both FXR athletes. And you can see him at uh, the um, – Benny Bloss wears FXR. The whole club team uses FXR. Myself uses FXR. They help out the Imperative MX podcast. So make sure that you go and check out FXRRacing.com. Find them on social media as well. And thank you for their continuing support. Heavy D, Silver Valley MX Park. The only. Local national. Yes, sir. They got some uh, races coming up here, uh, here soon. And, uh, don't forget about the pro shootout at the end of the year. Yeah, I thought that one race, what was that race? Uh, the sprint enduro. Yeah. I thought it had already happened, but actually it hasn't. So that was like a miscue on my part. So it's all good. Well, it's the full gas enduro. Let me rephrase that. That's yeah. April 29th. And the NCMX series is April 8th. So, there you go. So just about yeah, back to back. Yeah, yeah, I got some dates mixed up, but I got it corrected, so awesome. hopefully everybody, like, opts on and don't, like, criticize it too much, but I got it right that time. I think I think uh, everybody will be just fine, Heavy D, and they'll forgive you on that. But, um, <laughs> ma'am, let's talk about uh, the RCSX in Daytona. We had a lot of North Carolina champions, Heavy D. Yes. Uh, there was a lot of North Carolina champions and uh, Virginia champions that came out of uh, the local area and showing showing up at uh, Ricky Carmichael's uh, Supercross in Daytona. Yeah, dude, it was it was a lot. I know. So, and I want to say it was senior. I think it was forty plus BC. It was either vet thirty plus or forty plus BC. Justin Smith mm-hmm. out of North Carolina. He got. Championship. Nice. He won. Then you had Jeremy Albrecht's son, Trevor Albrecht, who won a championship in C. Yes, sir. I saw that. I I saw, uh, before you move any farther, I don't have much to comment on this because I have switched over to night shift uh, at my job. And so when the racing was going on on Monday, uh, I was asleep for, uh, or in and out uh, throughout the day. So. Uh, Heavy D's got my back on on this one, but uh, you can continue, Heavy D. My fault. Yeah, he won two fifty C. Um, David Kubek out of Flat Rock, North Carolina. My guy, David. Yep. He got two. He won four fifty C and two fifty C limited. I think it was nice. And then my guy Briley Stott, Big B, Big B came away with that two fifty C Junior uh, championship. Nice. So, and uh. He's out of um, Mill Spring, so I mean, dude, it was. It and then was, we had Noah uh, Stevens, who came away Stevens. with uh, uh-huh. with a one one win in the 450B, and you said Heavy D, he should have won more. He should have won more. 
Yeah, I think he should have won more. He he had a few little get offs. I think it was. I don't, it wasn't like done his nature. It was just one of those one of those things that happens. But yep. I mean, honestly, he's just coming back off injury too from a collarbone. So I mean, that within itself is big. Like yeah. I mean, he was down for I don't know how long, and he just got his new EBR bikes. So yeah. he's it's for him it was completely new. So I think that was on his part. It was solid, but. I mean, he's still top five in uh, 450B and 250B and got like a sixth in 250B limited. So, I mean, he was he was consistent for sure. It was just – it's just one of those things, yeah. you know. But yeah. Texas, he, he'll be on a whole other level there as well. Yeah, and can't forget about Freestone. We talked about it earlier uh, with Preston Beigeflug, uh being there. But, yeah, I mean, all, all, all of the kids, all of the top amateurs are uh, currently at Freestone. Uh, right now, racing starts tomorrow, Thursday. Um, and goes all the way up until Sunday. And then the following weekend is uh, Spring-A-Ding, the Moto Playground Spring-A-Ding. Um, and Ooh. that one is going to be crazy. I really wanted to go to it this year, but I had to save my money to make sure I could go to some Supercross races and also to some um, amateur races. But, um, man, there's just so much amateur racing that's going on and so many kids from the area that uh, are going to these uh, big uh, national races as well. I can't forget about your boy Boom Lloyd. Oh, yeah, Boom yeah, Lloyd yeah. won. Boom, Absher Hall. He should have won that one if he didn't fall in the whoops. Dude, he came back to third. Second. He got oh second. yeah, second. Yeah, yeah. He passed uh, because they they didn't show it. So I had to, so anyways. But yes, dude, he would have won that by a mile. Like oh, this oh my god. I was like, that kid got that dog in him. He was home. He was he was putting in the fastest laps each lap. He was hauling. Oh, dude, dude, it was like, oh my god, that kid was digging, dude. That's all I. I Cobra's got to be happy with the kid that they picked up. Like, there's no shot that they're like, eh. They're like, oh my god, we got something here. Dude, how could you be mad, dude? If that would have been me. Hey, I'd have brought him a brand new bike as soon as you come off the track. Don't be down, dude. I got you a fresh. You take this to Texas with you. Don't even worry about that. Like, <laughs> you literally just crashed in the whoops and come back to second. Yeah, and it took him a while for him and the other guy to get up, too. So, and I was expecting yeah, them two to have a battle because they were, it was, uh, it was the two Cobra teammates. What? No. I can't, I can't remember, um, unfortunately, but I just know that he went down, and by the end of it, he was right there in second. So, uh, I thought third, but you corrected me with second, so that's even better. Like, they're, like Co- Cobra absolutely has to be stoked with this kid. Oh, dude, if they're not, something's wrong, but I highly doubt they're not. Like, they, yeah. I know they're like, okay, we we done something right. If it's anybody that's scratching their head, it's probably KTM. They probably think, yeah, we probably should have picked him up. Like, yeah. what was that? I don't know. What Is we- Daniel Blair over that? Yeah, he all right, is. All right, well, I'm going to have to hit him up on LinkedIn and give him give him shit for it. <laughs> no, Most. I'm, I'm just kidding, but um yeah, <laughs> it's uh it's crazy the amount of uh the amount of kids, also a kid that um or a, a little one that I uh teach, uh his name is Deegan Deal. Uh he went down there as well oh. and uh he placed 13th, uh I believe in the um the mini E um, so that's really good for him. I worked with him for, uh, I think, two times uh, in this off season. So it was good to see uh, him get a good ride. He's really, really good on that electric bike. And it's taken him a little bit of time to learn um, the bigger 
50 uh, cc, but he'll get there. He'll get there when it's time. And oh, um, so oh, it was cool. Double D in B class. Hey, I know, I know. He that canvas stuff does look good. I know that we're sponsored by FXR here, and I gotta be really careful. But I do like that. <laughs> I I did like that gear. That gear combo did look pretty fire. Oh, dude, he was double D was out there ripping stuff. He pulled up in uh in two fifty B. And the first heat, he got second. Nice. Like, against Drew Adams and all, that's pretty good. He finished 10th in the main. I think he probably got tired because those mains was like 12 laps. Dude, so they were long. He probably got, yeah. Yeah, I think he got a bit winded. Yeah. But, yeah, he, he still did work. He still did work. Crazy. Crazy. Hell, Gus Chicken, Logan Riggins, out of, uh, East of South Carolina, uh-huh. another one. Oh, dude, it's so many. We had Alan Alford now. there running probably 15 oh. classes. <laughs> All the Never classes. Uh, dude, it's unreal. They, these guys are literally my heroes. Like, it's unreal. Like, they go and ride four classes. After I'm done with one, I'm done. Like, I feel like I'm done after one class. Probably because I put it all did out there go, on the gate. Did you go to the Nationals and you have the guys like Alan Alfred, Barry Carson. These dudes out here racing each other like this, like they're in their teen years. Dude, Barry. Just, just Barry, man. Like, <laughs> unreal. Unreal that he is still going. And he's still, like, up there putting up a fight. Like, I remember one of the motos that I did catch. Um, him and... Um... Oh, I'm drawing a blank. Um, John Gruy. Yeah, 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 Gruy. Yeah, Gruy. Yeah. They were going at it for like their 150th time. <laughs> it, it, it's unreal, dude. Like at all of these amateur nationals, if it's 40 plus, 35 plus, 45 plus, whatever the case, it, it's, it's Barry Carson and Gruy. <laughs> and it used to be Earl May back, old Earl the Pearl back in the day. Um, but, yeah, but I know that he, I think he had a pretty gnarly injury, um, and it took him a while to get back from that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, you got to throw out Mike Brown in there, but he's in a different atmosphere than those guys. Uh, Dude, he's, his time zone isn't even the same as anybody else's. There's got to be like another earth that he came from, right? Like that's way more <laughs> physically advanced, right? Like, oh, Brownie. Un- Dude. Unreal. <sighs> Golly, my guy's like, how old is he? Dude, I mean Barry's out there at sixty. Damn near Barry's close 50? to it, dude. He's got to be close. God, I, I, I hope I hope that I'm not I'm not bagging on him too bad. Which I'll try to look it up. No, here. you're not bagging. I I, I really gnarly. don't want to bag, but he's been in the game for a long time, for a long time. So, um, but while I try and while I try and find this heavy D, um, let's run over Arlington Supercross since we missed last weekend a little bit. It was the Triple Crown race. Um, Cooper Webb was able to come away with the victory, and um, Thrasher was able to uh, come out with the victory in uh, in Arlington. So, um, what if um, we'll just speak about it here for like ten minutes or so? What uh, what's what's some key things that you picked up from Arlington? That uh, you were wondering wondering about going into um, this weekend in our in Daytona, like was there something like between the three guys that are in the battle for this 450 Supercross title? 
was there was there something that you were wondering, looking forward to uh, going into Daytona um, about what could go down? I mean, so what I kind of thought how it would play out because Coop ended up winning Arlington. Yeah, he won the Triple Crown Arlington, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Did he? Yeah, he did win. So, of course, I knew he would gain momentum. But the thing about it is, it was like, he usually starts to turn it on after Daytona, usually, Mm -hmm. or at Daytona. Mm -hmm. And he's never really been this close in points this early. So, I was wondering how he was going to play Daytona, which already, I mean... Daytona is Daytona. That's just how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> it was going to be a hard testament to any of those guys to try and um, put up a fight, but they Cooper did. He put up a dog fight. So, with him winning, I thought, okay, all right, like, his mindset, he'll, he's going to go into Daytona, he's going to give it 100%. You know, it, it probably may be more of a salvage form. And then I figured Sexton would turn it on because it's a bit more outdoorsy, which it wasn't as – it was outdoorsy, but it wasn't as outdoorsy as it usually is. It was a lot of obstacles this year in Daytona. Right. It was, like, gnarly. Mm-hmm. So I figured, like, that would be for sure Sexton's edge. Like, all right, he raced Tomac outdoors. He beat him multiple times. I don't think the mistakes is going to come like they have here in the past three, four races. Wrong, <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not not trying to bang on him by any means. I'm not. It was just, it was one of those things. Like he showed up at Daytona and practice, and he was ready to go. Like you could tell, he was like what a second faster. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, every weekend. I mean, I, I still put, I still put. Ch- I'm still gonna say Chase because one of these days he's. I mean, one of these races, he it's gonna come together. <laughs> It's yeah, got it, to. it's gonna come together. It's got to. Like, I mean, he's just having a stew moment right now. Not really a stew moment because Stu would still at least have like maybe two or three wins, but it's just he's so fat. And you know, in the main, we were you know we were watching it. He would catch up the ghost guys so quick, and he would make one mistake and lose like two, three, four seconds, and then Barsha would be all over him, and that you know. Um, ultimately did it in for him there at the end and wasn't able to get close enough. Um, but, man, right there off the rip, he was close. Oh, dude, he, he was. But if you watched, like, from my perspective of it, it was like he was – you could tell Daytona's just coming back track because he was pushing, and it looked like Cooper was actually comfortable going that fast because he really wanted to beat Tomac at Daytona. You could tell he did. Like, it just it wasn't phasing him mentally. And they was – the level was pretty high, and Chase was making mistakes trying to keep up. And then you could tell when somebody was like, all right, it's time to get by Coop. And when he tried to, of course, they that when they came together, they almost got pretty ugly. That was the hell of a save on both, you know, on for both parties. Yeah. But – Dude, it was like once they got out there, it was like they were gone. I was like, "This is pretty insane." 
Yeah, and that's why I so, wrote the whole article um, of you know the dog fight between Tomac and Webb because it was a dog fight the entire time from the time that they got to the first turn. They rounded that first turn through the first rhythm section down that front straightaway. They were side by side. Cooper takes the outside. And from right then and there, I was like, dude, this is going to be an awesome race. And what do you know? It was just that. Almost in the – Oh, yeah. Dude, when um, when Tomac ripped through the inside and they had the little box of Coker and DeCosta right next to each other, when that happened, when Tomac went to the inside yeah. and passed Webb there for uh, for a hot second before they had uh, where Tomac almost went over the bars going on to the uh, shelf corner, that was yep. that was insane. I rewatched that corner of Tomac when he launched off the single. He landed perfectly in a pocket to where he knew his suspension wouldn't bounce up so much. Like, it, it was honestly – I don't know if he planned it like this, but he came out – he was able to pretty much land off that that launch right there where the mechanics area is, bounce over one or two braking bumps by just hitting one, was able to sit down and just rail that corner. And when he came out, he almost had to slam on the brakes because he was right on Webb's wheel. And thank God Webb went left and Tomac just went inside and never let off. That was unbelievable. Yeah, dude, that was. And just to see the dude, reaction was... of the two team managers right there was unreal, especially especially when that pass actually happened and you see Coker, you see him like, you know, he's like all excited and you look at DeCoster and he was like, Cooper, you better you better make sure you get this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but man, it was oh, it was man. a dog fight all the way through. And yeah, they had that little miscue there uh, on the shelf, inverted right corner. Um, and uh, then Cooper had that costly mistake uh, there after the finish line, like two or three laps later. And uh, from then on, uh, Cooper made it close there at the at the end once uh, Tomac got around him. Um, when he made that false neutral mistake, which I was kind of right on there with RC, I thought he just slammed on the brakes. Like I didn't oh, think yeah. it was false neutral. I thought he just slammed on the brakes. Oh, dude, I did too. And then I looked, and I was like, "Oh, he might have hit false neutral." <laughs> yeah, and uh, after the race, he said that. But um, you know, obviously, at the end uh, of the of the race. Uh, both combatants and uh, were very respectful with each other, shook hands afterwards, and uh, had very good words to say. And uh, the points are still uh, the same. Um, well, the points are back to the same before Arlington. It was five down Webb and ten on Sexton. So we're pretty much the same going into Indy uh, this weekend. But, man, do we have a battle on our hands for this championship. And it is awesome to see. Um between the three guys and you know with Tomax Bulldog um tendencies with Cooper Webb's mental strength and Chase Sexton's all out speed, what more would you want um out of the three guys that are gonna be at the front? And they've they've damn near solidified themselves at being at the front for the rest of the year. 
these three guys because oh, they have completely separated themselves from everybody else, even including Jason Anderson, and I can't believe I'm even saying that. Like, I don't know. Like, what's your what's your theory behind uh behind Ando this year, man? Like, he hasn't gotten a win, um, other than the Triple Crown win, uh, in Arlington. He got the second, um, the second race win. Um, but I, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like we're seeing the 2022 Ando this year. What do you What do you think, Heavy D? I mean, I is he going to win a race this year? I I think he wins a race for sure. I I think he wins a race. I feel like he can go. I feel like he can win two. I mean, I honestly do. I think he can win more than one. It's just one of those deals. I mean. Like, he should win one, but will he get it done is the question. Like, we all know that he's, he's capable of winning, but if, can he get it done is the question. And his starts haven't been as good this year as they were last year, in my opinion, either. I also think it's one of those deals where, you know, Anderson, like, he cares, but I think sometimes he gets to a point where he's just like, whatever. You, you know what I mean? He's just yeah. like, screw it. Well, just like a last and, episode, we were talking about him going with Bobby Hewitt and, you know, maybe banking on um, banking on that. Um, but a lot of guys, I feel like in their second year with a team before moving into a new team, I feel like they, um, they seem to want to show out on that team for the last, I guess, ride. Um, and, you know, this is just outside looking in. I have no idea, obviously. Um, it was weird for Tommy Tenders to leave Team Fried this week. That was kind of weird. Um, I don't really know what the whole deal is behind that. Um, so it it just it it's just odd to me, Heavy D. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I don't think you know Kawasaki. I think they've been known to put a little pressure on their riders of, of what they expect and what they want, and. <laughs> I don't know Anderson personally, but, you know, just going off, you know, how he's dealt with some things in the past, like when he said he personally, after he won a championship in, what, 2019, 2020? Yeah. He, like, come out the first race of the next season and <laughs> fell back on purpose because he didn't want the pressure yeah. of, like, being oh, a Oh, uh, when he won the title in 18 and he came out in 19? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> on purpose. That was crazy. So, I think, like, it's one of those deals with them where he's just like, ah, oh, yeah, whatever. So, I feel like he's doing his job with Kawasaki. Yeah, I mean, he's I'm still just, putting in I'm, great results. I mean, I mean, he's still he's still right there in fourth. I, I would say his average is, what, 4.5 of 5 probably all year. So, yeah, I mean, he's still, he's still fine, like you were saying. I mean, but, I mean, I just feel like at, uh, he's doing his job, but I think he – I just feel like he's kind of over it at the same time. That's just my theory. So I feel like 2024, he's going to be on you that You think trial. he's done with Cowie? Like just, just the Cowie I mean, team and how they run things? Yeah, I mean. Possibility? Yeah, I just feel it's a possibility. Like, he, you know, he likes his freedom. He likes to do his thing. Like, like I said before, like, I, I'm a firm believer. There's no set way on what works when it comes to racing, it's like everybody has a different approach, you know, and mm-hmm. his approach, he kind of needs his freedom. You know, he needs to be able to kind of have a free mind and do what he needs to do. And 
I don't think that's Kyle's approach on, on things, you know. So I think he's kind of like just at the point where he's sticking it out, doing his job, you know, giving it, doing what he can do. And then I feel like, I mean, when that time comes, he may be out of there. Yeah. Um, I agree. I agree 100%. Um, the Imperative MX podcast episode number 17, speaking about Daytona Supercross here. And, uh, man, it's – uh. It's it, it's just wild. Tomac, uh, what he's what he's doing right now, I mean he's he's about to pass. I mean I put this out before the season even started, right? Um, but he's going to pass too. Like, and what number is he going to get to? Like, this is unreal. What we are witnessing from this guy, like in in our like time. Right, because like Carmichael, Stu, and Reed were pretty much right there in our younger years, right? But now we're starting to get into our older years, and we're seeing this when we never even thought anybody would ever come close to those top four, top five guys with Villo in there. Like, we thought that the competition was going to be so good that nobody would ever be able to get even remotely close to Jeremy McGrath. And guess who's on their way to do it right now in 2023? This is unbelievable. Yeah, dude. I think it's one of those deals. You look at that. I mean, that number's so far out there, it just looks untouchable. But, dude. I mean, I feel like if Tomac sticks it out, he could do For it. For another two years? He's doing. Yeah, he's like, doing the whole series this year. Does he – if he signs again in 24 – if he keeps on the same trajectory of, uh, I think when I wrote that article, I think I said his average um, was somewhere right around that six to seven range. Dude, he could get, dude, like a year, like uh, overall wins a year, six to seven. It may be even a little bit higher. You'd have to go back and watch it. It's uh, or go back and read it or I'll have to do it myself. But um, dude, it's, it, it's just unreal what he could do if he keeps going. Um, but I feel like he's going to be one of those guys that if he has one race where he realizes that he just doesn't have it anymore or maybe he's not willing to put in that risk anymore, then it may be that time. Um, but I don't yeah, see it yeah. happening right now. Like, he's too good right now. The, uh, honestly, the it's best like if, Eli he, if, right he, now. if he can go win, you know, four or five more races this year, and then if if he wants to race another three to four years, if he can win six six races a year for the next three or four years, it would be his. I think I think if he runs twenty twenty five, I think that he'll he'll get it done in that year because next year he'll oh, yeah. he'll win because he's already at five right now and we're at number nine or round nine. He's already got five race wins this year, so See? I feel like this is going to be another I mean, nine or ten year for him. Uh, eight, if you think 10. about it, if he gets the 55 wins this year, <laughs> that would leave him with 17. He would need 17 more wins. And over the next two years. He could probably do it in the next two years. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm saying. He only needs two because I think if you say three or four, I think that's too far. I think that – I don't think he wants to do what Chad did. I think he wants to do kind of what uh, Poto and Dungy did was – was when they 
were done, they're done. And Tomac's just not there yet. He thought he was, and he didn't know how this Yamaha thing was going to go. And it is going way better than I think that he anticipated and the team anticipated. And he's mm-hmm. just going to keep this train chugging. And I'm going to call it right now. If he goes for another two years, he's beating McGrath's record. If he can keep this same that he's doing right now in 2023, if he does the same in another two years, he's going to be right there at Jeremy McGrath, and the whole world is going to explode. Because 72 career 450 Supercross wins, that is unheard obviously unheard of, right? Unimaginable. Oh, yeah. And for Tomac to, to, to even get close to that and even beat it when we never thought that anybody would ever do it. Um, like, I think I've heard media people say that no one ever in existence will ever be able to do that. Like, I know I've heard it for plenty of people. Um, but now it's starting to become like, hey, scratch your head a little bit and you start thinking you run up some numbers. I mean, dude, he could have it in two years, so. Um. Yeah. To Tomac, man. Uh, at Daytona, seven. He races again next year. He gets eight. At Daytona, be uh, he beats Re- Richard Petty. Uh, as the all-time Daytona winner. Um, that dude. Just just thinking about that for him, and when when you when the guys at the press conference, when the media people are asking him about this, he is so humble, and he's just like, I don't I just. I'm just going. I'm just going. Like, I'm not even worried about it. I'm just going. And I'm like, dude, I'm unreal. I mean, that's kind of how you have to be, dude. Like, I mean, if you focus on it too much, I think that's where you start to, like, really mess up. So, for him, it's just, like, just trying to go out there and just get wins and, and race for championships. Yeah, no, and – I've really become a Tomac fan ever since he come on uh, Yamaha, and now when I'm seeing what he uh, he is doing ever since he got off the Cowie and seeing where his peak can be, I mean, it's made me an instant um, fan of Tomac and just watching him ride and um, being there and, and seeing it. It's, it's honestly unreal and can't wait to go to some more uh, Supercross rounds. Um, let's speak a little bit uh, – well – we won't go through the entire list uh, because I did the whole race report on imperativemx.com, and uh, you guys can go and check that out from Daytona if you would like. And also, I did one from Triple Crown uh, in Arlington as well. Uh, but let's talk about the 250 class this weekend. Uh, Hayden Deegan got his first podium. Um, I almost want to just slap myself in the face and t- and tell myself from like a month ago to just shut up. Like I should have, I should have just been like, yeah, let's just see what happens. Not, you know what. Just wait it out. Just wait it out. I, you know what? I was wrong. This kid is good. Like I know that I've said it before, but he's good. Oh, dude, they met, they give him all kind. Well, let me, let me rephrase that. They're not giving him. He's going to get it and gain him all this confidence. Oh, I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy what he's doing. Um, at a young age, reminds me a lot of um. Kind of reminds me of like a young. Um, I was trying to think. I was trying to think of a rider that kind of has like he. Steve was kind of right. It does. He does kind of remind me a lot of Barsha. Like he has a lot of Barsha in him. Maybe just not destroying the clutch as much and and 
maybe not revving, revving it to the moon as much, but just the way he rides. He's very loose on the bike, but he's also wide open. Um, I think that that's probably the best way to put it, but he's able to get it done. Like, yes, he's loose, but he's showing that he's able and he deserves to be there. And, um, yeah, it was crazy. The press conference there, I think uh, NBC Sports came on there, and that was the first time they've asked a question in in quite a while uh, that I've heard from the press conference. So um, definitely got a lot of hype uh, on that, but obviously well-deserved. And, uh, yeah, Heavy D, I mean, uh, Hayden Deegan, crazy. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely, man. It's, it's crazy because, dude, if you watch him, like, I mean, I'm just a firm believer, like, like I said before. You know, in the amateur ranks, he was – he was the guy to beat. If I felt like if they'd have kept him there any longer, he would have declined. Yeah, and that's just what because, and that's what actually what he said in a, in an interview as well. Uh, continue. Oh, did he really? Yeah, he said he said that um, because uh, they were asking him uh, because he said that after um, Anaheim two, he went back and he's he was like, I don't think I don't think I'm ready. Like I I don't think I'm ready. He was kind of doubting himself a little bit and. Um, and I think, um, long story short, they ended up uh, saying, yeah, let's just go do it. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? Uh, you stay down longer, it could decline you because you start getting comfortable uh, winning races and stuff, and you're not having to try as hard. Um, and obviously the star guys see the lap times and sees that he's right there, if not beating uh, Kitchen and Thrasher and Smith and all of these other guys on a daily basis. Um, so, yeah, why not throw him out there? Um, and see what happens. So, yeah, he called it out himself um, that he didn't know if he was ready. And uh, when um, – and then I guess halfway through the week, they realized that, uh, yeah, let's just go for it and see what happens. You know, I just I just feel like you can't – I mean, no, I, I wouldn't let one bad race define your future. I mean, he killed it at Loretta's. He killed it at Minio's. I mean – Probably say he come back and won in outdoors in a dominate fashion. He won every moto. Yeah, I mean that right there should let you know. Okay, no, there's nobody in the amateur ranks right now that's on his level. It's time for him to go. We need to move him up because he's only going to learn more. And look, he's he's gotten better. He was holding down fourth places, but I mean he went and got a third at Daytona, and dude, he was ripping like yeah. he he actually looked like he belonged there, you know. And he's only going to get better. I mean that's just my opinion because yeah. you know he's having the he's having to elevate his game to get to that top dog position to where he was already that top dog in amateur ranks. I just feel like you know I don't think they should look at him at a test track and say okay yeah he that shouldn't define whether you are or aren't ready. I mean yeah. in a sense that's false advertisement because I mean I don't care who you are. It's hard to get your mind to click knowing you're not racing you're just practicing yeah i mean we've talked about practice it so mode many and times. Race mode. yeah oh yeah it's two different things dude i mean it's two different things so i i wouldn't if you want to get them ready you want to know if they're ready put them out there let them race that'll let you know if they're ready or not right you can't define it off of how good they are in practice yeah um he even said uh because his cornering skills is very very good um, he said, because uh, he was on the Pulp of Mech show this week, he said that um, he did not gain that um, speed 
of allowing the bike to just lay down pretty much and just gas it. Uh, he didn't have the confidence and, um, you know, all of that. He said it wasn't until one of the motos in um, at Minio's um, where I guess he had to come through to pack, I guess. Um, he really started to uh, lay the bike down in corners, and that's where his corner speed came from, was from Minio's um, during one of the motos um, because he said pretty much screw it. I'm going to lay the bike down in the corner and see what happens, and he just started railing them um, after that. So um, that's kind of where that came from. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he looks the part. I would – you saying a, a win, Heavy D? Is there a win maybe for Hayden at the end of this year, or are we looking more for next year? Because right now, if something happens to Anstey and uh, Lawrence, who seem like the two guys that are consistently up front um, and Thrasher um, – but Thrasher has had his mistakes and all of that. Yes, he he did win um, uh, the Triple Crown in Arlington. But do um, you think that he could pull out one at the end of the year, Heavy D? I'm going to say yeah. The reason I say yeah is because I feel like he gets out front, he's going to be hard to guard, man. He's going to be something to reckon with. I just – I feel like Daytona, him getting a third and being able to keep that pace is a big confidence boost. That was, I and think, do, for do, him. To pass the two-time motocross, the 250 motocross champion like that, too. Like, he didn't mean to – he was like, yeah, that wasn't that wasn't a good look for me. But I was like, dude, I mean, you were on the inside and you, you had it. So, but, yeah. Yeah. I just – I mean, I just feel like that's that's – he he's right there. I think that was the hardest test for him right there is Daytona, keeping that pace on that gnarly of a track for that amount of time. Yeah, and then passing time be all like, yeah. I could see a win for him without a hundred percent. Uh, no, I think, I think Tom. Shot. Well, Tom screwed up before he went around him. Tom screwed up. I'm, I'm crazy. Yeah, not it, not Tom right. be all. Um, I'm, I'm crazy. Jeremy I'm Martin. My mind's in square. Yeah, Jeremy Martin. Yeah. Yeah, but, but but yeah, that's. I think it goes to show he's he's. Uh, I think he's on the verge. I think he can get that win. Yeah, uh, I'm on the fence. I'm. I could see it happening, but um, I don't know. I I think it could. I think it definitely could happen. Uh, if if the um cards play right, I think uh I think he could get it done. Um, I don't know if he'd be able to beat Hunter straight up. Uh, that would be an interesting uh, fight. We almost had our $20 bet, Heavy D, our Daytona, uh, the $20 bet between Anstey and uh, Lawrence. We almost had it. Oh, yeah. We almost had it, but Anstey wasn't close. I think we're going to get it. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. I hope there's a track with a big set of, set of whoops so Anstey can get close because it is unreal how fast Anstey goes through the whoops on that 250, dude. It is, it's crazy. I oh, saw it in Daytona. Ripped. Like, it's crazy. Oh, yeah, dude. He rips. He is, uh, he's making that fire. He's getting it done on that firepower Honda. That barn built. Barn dominium built. <laughs> barn dominium built. <laughs> Marty. I um, love it. Uh, you know that, um, uh, something funny or not funny um actually a couple things um i've been posting a little bit of uh polls on my twitter um 
do you think which one will happen first in the 250 Supercross East? Um, do you believe that Tom Vial will grab a podium or will Jordan Smith grab a win? Which one will come first? Why you got to put me on the spot like that? Hey, um, I'll give you my, I'll give you I'm my, going, I'll give you my opinion. I think, I think, um, I think Smith grabs a win before uh, Vial grabs a podium. I was about to say I'm rolling with my dog. I'm rolling with my dog Smith. He getting that win first. Yeah. It's a, it's a good one because I mean Tom has had two chances where he should have been on the podium and he crashed out each time. Well. The first one at the first round in Houston, uh, he just went down in a corner. But this one, he actually crashed uh, himself out. And he is marked safe, Heavy D. He is fine. Get the umpire out there. Mark him safe. He's good to go for Indy this weekend. Uh, but it's a good uh, it's a good conversation for sure. It's a good um, discussion. Oh, yeah. It is. I feel like, you know, I guess time for y'all, but I feel like Smitty can get that win. It's just a little mishap here and there. Just – Slight inconsistency. I mean, a lot better now than in the past. Yeah, for sure. Uh, for his sure. speed exactly. is there, you know. He had a rough couple of years. Oh, yeah, dude. It was it was rough. But, you know, they got him back on track at Star, dude. And I think that, that's definitely what he needed. So, I, I definitely see the win coming his way. Absolutely. Um, who's the better uh, Lawrence brother in 2023 uh, 250 Supercross, Hunter or Jet? Well, I mean, I, God, I, I mean, I'm not even gonna make it a debate. I'm gonna say Jet. The only a, a main reason I'm gonna say Jet is because, I mean, he's he's straight up really. He, he's honestly just straight up beating his competition. Not to say Hunter isn't, but he went in there and gave uh, Thrasher the old chuck and go at Daytona. Yeah. So. Once yeah. he did that, it was kind of a secured win for him. Yeah. Um, I just – I really – I just, I saw that race live in person in Tampa where he came back through the pack, and I was watching him um, pretty consistently because I knew he was going to catch Thrasher there at the end, and it was just if Thrasher could hold off uh, the um, charge that was coming. But that right there mm-hmm. really sparked up the uh, conversation. Unfortunately, at the Triple Crown – um, that just must be just not the Lawrence brother thing. Um, but the way he's riding and um, the way that uh, his posture and his technique, I feel like, has improved. Um, this is Hunter I'm speaking about. Um, I I would say that they're dead even. They both have the same amount of wins. They both did not win a uh, triple crown. Um, so they're dead even, in my in my opinion. You put them out on the track, and I feel like they're they're dead even. Um, that's just my personal opinion, just basing it off of from what I've seen um, right now. Right. So. Yeah, no, I can see. I can definitely see where you come from on that one. I just, uh, I, I don't know. I guess for me, uh, with Tampa, that was a dominating performance. I mean, he did come back to the pack. Wasn't no denying that. Or just uh, or when uh, he was face first that third race in uh, Arlington, when he got with Anstey and he came all the way back to fourth or third. Or whatever it was with a yep. visorless. I mean, yeah, um, he's good. So, just something I'd throw out there to see what uh, to see what you think. Um, it was a topic that was on my mind, and um, I don't know. Uh, I guess maybe I'm a, a little bit on the on the hunter train because everybody's on the jet train, um, which for good reason. Jet is very very good. Um, 
I just think that the brothers are even right now. Um, but I see where you're coming from, and um, I think a lot of people would side by you uh, as well just because we know the background of Jet. I'm just saying Hunter has really turned it up this year just as far as everything goes. Um, and I think even if Shmoda was in there, um, I still think we would still be seeing the same outcome. Um, I love Joe um, and all of that. Actually, maybe I can't even say that because I don't I don't know because I haven't seen him ride this year, to be completely honest, so I can't even say that um, because Joe was good last year. Joe was so good last year. Um, or maybe was it the year before last that he had the good year and last year he had kind of like the weirdo rides and um, all of that. I think that that's what it was last year. I don't think he had a he had a good uh all, or a good Supercross season, but the motocross season he turned up. Um, oh yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. So, uh, but no, good uh good conversations there, and uh, man, uh yeah, like I said, if you want to go back through and read everything, uh, from my opinion, um, or from my point of view, uh, you can go to imperativemx.com and check out uh the um the morning afters. Uh, for the race reports and uh, also see the point standings and uh, all of that good stuff. Uh, anything else from uh, Arlington, uh, Daytona, Ricky Carmichael's, uh, you know, the Road to Supercross thing uh, in Daytona? Uh, anything else, Heavy D, uh, before we uh, get ready to sign off here? No, dude, I think that's pretty much it for me. I'm trying to think of anything else that really happened in Daytona. Uh, Bar uh, do you think Barsha owes one? to Sexton for that? Or do you think he looks back on it and he's like, eh, it was by accident. I'll let it slide. Or is Barsha coming back uh, with retaliation? I, I did, in that moment, I think Barsha was like, why is this dude and, – and this is – matter of fact, this is the, let me get this topic out of the way. Yeah, let's go, Heavy D. I, I, feel, I feel like him, you know, these little mishaps, and especially the two – he had, what, three or was it two with Barsha? Uh, he had uh two instances at Daytona, uh, with Barsha. Bar yep. The uh, one, the one where I, uh, Barsha went down there at the end after the elevated shelf corner, and then obviously uh, the the get together before the triple. Who, okay, so who was that that has a rap for being scared? Who was it, Alex Ray? Yeah. I I just feel like with Sexton having all these little mishaps, especially the two with Barsha, he's going to start to get that sketchy, sketchy rep, like, towards all the riders. Like, they're going to be like, all right, like, he's sketchy. You think so, or was it just Daytona? Because I feel like he was sketchy in Daytona. I will say that. He had a lot of mistakes, um, which normally for Sexton, it's just one mistake. But he had multiple at Daytona. Um, so, do you think it was? Well, do you think it was just the Daytona soil, or do you think it's actually Sexton? No, nah, just I feel like it's. I'm not. I'm not calling him sketchy by any means because he's not sketchy. I just feel like he's gonna get that rap because the stuff he does, it gives off that. It gives off that sketchy vibe. He's. I mean, the places he's crashing in are obvious places, like where you could kind of like. Like Ricky said, you you where he's crashing at, he knows it's a problem there. Like, okay, you're slick here, you're down the hardwood here. He knows these things are here, but he messes up. Like, yeah. and usually before he messes up big, he he, he you know he's going to because he makes a small mistake. And like even at Daytona, like before he crashed the one time, like 
he got sketchy in front of Barsha. Barsha was like, all right, this is my chance to get Bob. And he got sketchy again and got into Barsha. Yeah. Dude, Barsha. So, I don't think it's – Go ahead. I, I'm going to say I don't think it was just so much dull. I mean, it's – like I said, I don't think he's been sketchy. He's just having the tendencies of being sketchy because it's just the minor mistakes that that's reaching up and biting them. Right. But you got to think that Webb and Tomac in the back of their mind, they're both like – if this guy can clean it up, um, could be in trouble? Yeah, I think in in a sense in the back of their mind, but like but then again it's like I think they they kinda got him because they kind I mean if you think about it, to them it's like, all right, he's gonna mess up. Yeah. It's not it, it's just win. So it's like they you could tell they weren't worried about him. They kinda like it's almost like they just kinda Faced him out and did their own thing up front. Yeah, they was like he's back, but he ain't gonna like he ain't gonna stay consistent enough to even mess with us. So we can go on and do our thing. Let him like kind of chill back there. Yeah, kind of like what you were saying earlier that Webb just didn't seem phased by him, and you're absolutely right. I mean, even when Sexton was right on him um, before he had the mistake, um, before he had the big mistake with Barsha, when he was really really close on him, it just didn't. Just didn't seem the phase of it. Seemed like Webb was so focused on grabbing, uh, on getting up there to Tomac, and um, sure enough, it was a dogfight. Um, Barsha, in my opinion, is the uh, underrated, um, is the underrated rider uh, right now coming out of uh, Daytona, and I think for the first part of this year, um, I feel like his speed has been good. Yes, Bam Bam. Yeah, we all know. Past that, he is riding good. Like. He's oh, fast. He's riding phenomenal. He is fast. And 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 from what people were saying at Daytona during press day, I mean, from the time that the bike got started and he put it in first gear on that track, they said he was wide open. Like, he was there to prove something. <laughs> so, I, th- I feel like he really wanted that podium, and that's probably why he was so pissed off because he was like, dude, I got this guy. I got this guy. Oh, shit. No, I don't. Like, so um, – I, I just feel I just feel like I have to I have to give uh, Barsha a little bit of praise because he is riding phenomenally this year. Oh, I agree 100. He is riding tremendous, like no doubt about that. I mean, I I hate, you know, he got tangled up with Sexton a few times. I, I think it may have been a little bit different outcome. You know, he was really trying. He was pressing to be right there, and he showed he could be. Yeah, it's just it sucks. Wrong place, wrong time, twice. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, that track was pretty tight. I mean, even though it had some outside inside options and stuff, it was still pretty. It was still a pretty tight track. I felt like, like I mean, sure it was wide open whenever you got to that, but it felt like the corners and in those, um, in the tight sections, it was it was tight. Um, to try and race somebody, and yeah, if that one person makes a mistake, it's not like the person behind them uh, could really kind of get out of the way because everybody was damn near riding. Um the same um and i think i think the track flowed that way too um it was damn near identical to the to last year's layout um it did put on a better feel and a race in my opinion this year like i felt like the the racing was better this year on this track i don't know why uh just felt like maybe it was a little bit um like you said tighter or like i said tighter um, and made it uh, bunch up a little bit for the guys. Um, but regardless of the fact, Daytona, I, I, we got to go next year um, because I've never been to Daytona oh. or the Supercross race, um, so I, I got to go. I love these speedways, bro. Bring them on. I love speedway races. 
Oh, dude, they're so sick. The Speedway races are so sick. Daytona's real sick. I love it. Uh, you going to go to Atlanta with us this year? When is Atlanta? Uh, April 15th and 16th, maybe? I could text you. Mm-hmm. I could text you after this. But um, want to try and get you get you to come out to some Supercrosses, Heavy D. Oh, dude, I'm definitely trying to go. I want to go for sure. Yeah. Let me see. I might be. Let me see. I might be able to uh, slide off and get into some Atlanta action. Yeah, cause we're cause we're we just leave on Friday after me and Nicole get off work, and um and just do the drive, uh, stay at a hotel, and um. Pretty much after the race, uh, we drive back home. So, oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So we we get it done pretty quick and pretty out, so that we have Saturday to chill out at the house, um, pretty much all day, so we don't have to worry about driving and traveling and all that, and then having to go to work the next day. So, we right. do put in a little bit of extra work, but uh, in the long run, it it works out pretty good. So, um, but uh, man, what a phenomenal episode number seventeen here on the Imperative MX podcast. Spoke about upcoming events and races around the surrounding North Carolina, Virginia um, states and uh, with area qualifiers coming up this weekend at Birch Creek. And then we spoke with NCMX's own Mike Farr about the 2023, uh, the 2023 changes uh, coming into this series, local racing uh, and and much more uh, from Mike Farr earlier in the podcast. And finally, we broke down all of the chaos that endured both Saturday night Monster Energy AMA Supercross round number seven, round number eight. We spoke about uh, Freestone MX. We talked about Spring of Ding. We spoke about, we forgot to speak about Arena Cross. Really good battle between uh, Kyle Peters and um, Kyle Bitterman uh, this past weekend. Uh, But KP comes out on top uh, from the weekend before last and this weekend in in New Mexico. Um, And next weekend, Heavy D, is Salem. So don't forget about that. Oh, shoot. Next weekend is Salem, Virginia, ain't it? Yes, sir. So do not forget that. Oh, shoot. Yep. Yep. 10-4. Yeah, 10-4. So start planning there, big guy. Yep. So. Um, but, yeah, we, we talked about uh, just about everything uh, racing-wise, amateur, professional, uh, anything in between. And we have to say thank you. A big thanks again to all of the sponsors who make this possible here on the Imperative MX podcast. West Virginia Motorsports, FXR, Silver Valley MX Park, Dirt Industries Custom Graphics, Hydro Power, and Mika Metals. Well, guys, that's it. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Imperative MX podcast. Make sure to follow us on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook. Find us on Apple, Spotify, for uh, all of the podcast and recent uploads, make sure to check out imperativemx.com and all of all of us uh, or all of uh, the social media platforms. I'm getting tired, Heavy D. From myself, Zach Newberry, and co-host Heavy D, <laughs> we're out. We'll see you next week. Peace. Peace.